0: What's on the silver screen? I got some takes you wouldn't believe. Alright,
1: welcome to Pop Moses Film. Uh, today we're gonna to actually talk about Blade Runner 2049. And this is Paul, and I have with me Josiah and Tyler.
0: Go ahead and What's up? I'm Josiah. I'm not Tyler. <laughs> this, is, this is Tyler. <laughs> <sighs>
1: Tyler, what Oh man. Let's rewind this one. This is pretty bad. Wait, are you rewinding it for real? 'Cause I don't
0: Rewinding it? What, what rewinding you... though. I love like your like your VHS oh, reference. Let me, let me, let me turn off solve. the
2: vinyl press real quick. One second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No no no. I, I think this is this is kind of a hot mess. Start
1: off with...
0: This hot is mess. this podcast is brought to you by a steam engine. <laughs> no, this is all staying, Paul. This is real. Oh, absolutely. Real. This, yeah, what, no, really, really. Can this we, is what the Paul we... fans out there want. They want real Paul, not this polished phoniness. You know what? Life can't be as flashy as Blade Runner
2: 2049, okay? The film that we're talking about today. Not a hot mess the first five minutes. <laughs> Look, that's... Okay, so I'm ready. One, take two. Hi, everybody.
1: This is Paul, and I'm uh doing Blade Runner 2049. Um This is, uh, this oh, is take fuck. 20 of our intro. Fuck, take 20. Fuck, fuck. I, fuck, fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck,
2: Take 47.
1: Yeah, go ahead and yeah, cut this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking A. Fucking
2: A. I really wish Did we recorded this video. Fucking A. I know that. Yeah. Anyway, speaking speaking of Blade Runner 2049, uh, you know, so, I, you know, Josiah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. why don't you tell you us all the technical stuff about Blade Runner 2049? This yep. is definitely the actual podcast let's, that we're doing right now. Let's cut, <laughs> let's cut, I, for real, for
1: real. You can make this like a special feature or something like, like, like deleted scenes what, or some What deleted
2: scenes, what special feature?
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't fucking know, I don't, don't you have like special features in podcasts? Like, I don't even know. Hi everybody, welcome to Popmos's Film. Today we're going to feature a great movie called Blade Runner 2049. I have with
0: me Josiah. Hi everybody, I'm Josiah. And this is cool, this is actually, I realized, this is what, this would be our first sequel. It's the first time we're doing a sequel, right? right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's our first sequel. Yeah. It's true. There you go. I just realized that right now as the words came out of my mouth.
2: That's crazy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And this is Tyler. And Tyler. (laughs) Hi, this is Tyler. (laughs) You've heard me a lot, probably, and if not, then uh, listen to more of our shows. It'll be great. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so
1: we chose uh, it's Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I love Blade Runner. It's a, an amazing film to me. Um, I had uh, it, it's just one of those films that I, I think formed a lot of uh, my love of film. Like it mm. just, it's like has everything that I don't know. It's just a, a film that's near and dear to my heart, and I kind of have ownership of it. And so Blade Runner twenty four forty nine. I had so many expectations going into uh, when I heard it was being, an, when it was announced. And uh, there was a lot of expectations, like, could it live up to the legacy of Blade Runner? Uh, was it going to be a horrible movie? Like, yeah. are they going to pick a, a good director? Uh, so many different expectations. and, and um, But for me, watching this movie... Um, it's one of those rare films that is a great sequel, and you can in fact argue that it's better than the original. Um, and it completely honors the legacy of Blade Runner in, in many different ways. So I want, and, and so I always wonder what are you guys' initial impressions when you heard that this this movie was announced.
2: I'm trying to remember where I was when I heard about it. Did they talk about it at Comic Con?
1: Um. Yeah. They. It was. Uh, There's a panel in, uh, in 2017 for it, and they actually had a whole. It,
0: it had been though in development long before that. Like, I and I think that I don't know exactly when, but I know that Ridley Scott, like he was originally attached to direct at one point too. I did not uh, know instead that. of just instead of just produce, and I think it was kind of like his interest in it kind of stemmed from working on the final cut, which released in 09, I think that final cut version came out that kind of rekindled his sort of interest in Blade Runner. And so that's how it spurred on. And I think it was one of those things where the producers that had the rights were going to make it one way or another. And so he kind of decided to be involved in that point, the director, and then he left that film to direct,
2: I think Alien Covenant. Oh, Alien! Really? Yeah, because by <laughs> the
0: t- like, cause I, think, I think oh yeah,
2: Prometheus was like 2012. Jesus, I yeah, yeah. forgot how old so the movie So Alien is. Covenant
0: was like 2015.
2: This was 2017. What? There's no way. I'm looking this up. No. This way. was 2017. What year
0: was Alien Covenant? But it was Alien Covenant right in that was time frame. 2017. Same year. Okay, so there you go. So that makes sense that this would have been the movie he I was like, directed Whoa. over that. Interesting choices there, but uh, yeah. So. I, um, I would say that we arguably
2: got the way better director to direct this film. Oh uh, Yeah, I I agree. God, this guy, um, this, I mean, he is... Man, he, he's directed some phenomenal things. Yeah, like The Arrival, Enemy, Cicero, uh, and Cesario. the director,
0: we're not saying his name, Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, and Denis also Villeneuve.
2: the upcoming uh, Dune series that he's directed. Yeah, Dune, which I'm super excited for.
0: <laughs> Like uh that it looks amazing from what he's done and really, really, really fantastic like the, the 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 book is very dense and he's splitting it up wisely. You can't it's one movie it clearly doesn't work if you go back to David Lynch's doing, which I, I like in a s from a nostalgic point of view, but from a as a film it's kind of a big hot mess. But yeah, yeah I it, it was unwatchable before
2: and it's unwatchable now.
0: <laughs> so I guess kind of while we're on this track, I'll kind of give you the sort of the the specs on this thing from a creative standpoint. So it is written by Hampton Fancher and Michael Green. So Hampton Fancher, of course, wrote the original Blade Runner screenplay. So he's back for this one. Uh, Apparently, I read that he wrote – he basically was kind of only involved for like maybe not one draft, but he just kind of an early pass at the script when Ridley Scott was probably still on board. I'm not sure of the time frame, but he yeah. basically wrote his screenplay as sort of a novella. It was like a novella script where he just, so the story, it's based on him, kind of his and Ridley Scott's story. And then Michael Green came in, um, and Michael Green is actually famous in the Popmosis film world because he was also a writer on Green Lantern. Oh so of all movies, through, <laughs> yes but he started out on smallville he wrote before that tons of other television yeah. he I wrote mean, logan he, saying, he wrote logan right Yeah, I wrote logan um call of the wild more recently so just kind of another Harrison Ford connection he was the uh, american gods tv show the creator of the tv version of that oh wow so you know, he's definitely righted some wrongs with green lantern in his writing career so there you look at like logan but it's just funny that I'm like the first thing I noticed that when I looked at his credits, like, oh yes, because the, the name is so sort of Michael Green. It's just you know a plain name. It didn't register and jump out of me, especially when you the Green Lantern had six writers on it or something yeah. like that. Ridley Scott was, I said, as I said, a producer, and there was a bunch of other producers, including uh, Bud Yorkin, who was one of the like financiers, kind of like the villains of the original film. Uh, Roger Deakins did the cinematography. An interesting thing: Roger Deakins, one of the most famous cinematographers, absolutely brilliant. Done a lot of work with the Coen Brothers, stuff like that. This is his first Oscar wow. for Blade Runner twenty nine. He he's nominated awesome. to like more, certainly more than ten times. I don't know how many times. This but, is a gorgeous film, and like this, well, this, I mean, I would say
2: I love Coen Brother movies, but I don't think any of them are shot or as stunning looking at as this movie is
1: from a visual design perspective like it's amazing how everything is like perfectly fits in that blade runner world and it's very like kind of
2: nihilistic and stri- i think they go think above and beyond the, the blade runner world like this is i guess we'll, we'll get in that later but man i have so many opinions about this film it's just
0: yeah, so and obviously <laughs> roger Deakins, who is is just a brilliant probably uh, one of the best cinematographers ever only won an oscar his first oscar for this film and not that he didn't I mean, this is a great film deserving, but he's definitely had work before this and it's well deserving of that. So it stars Ryan Gosling as Kay, Anna de Armas – I'm sure I'm pronouncing her name wrong – as Joy, Robin Wright as Lieutenant Joshi, Harrison Ford as Deckard, and uh, Jared Leto as – what's his character? Wallace. I forgot his first yeah, name. Xander Wallace. Wallace. Thank you. Um, the first time I thought it, I thought it was Xander Wallace. Then I watched it again. I'm like, oh, that's I. I can't hear words correctly. So it had a budget of 150 million. Very expensive movie. It's two hours and 44 minutes. As we all know, it is a long movie. Uh, the opening weekend, it was 33 million. So that, I believe That was in like October. It opened of. Uh, oh yeah, October 6, 2017. The U.S. gross was 92 million. And the global was 259 million. So it didn't really lose money, but with the box it was it wasn't really successful. Because if you think of what they spent on marketing this thing, it was pushed down your throat. So they probably just barely broke even on it at the box office, I would I would imagine. But yeah, two hundred and fifty nine million dollars global. Uh even the directors kind of said it's which is kind of fitting for the original. It's like basically a really expensive art movie. So (laughs) as is the original. So it's a fitting sequel in that way. So those are kind of the who's it's and what's it's behind Blade Runner 2049.
1: And I love the way this movie starts. You know, it starts with the, the eye, you know, just like Blade Runner. So it starts with the eye. Well, I want to ghost. stop
0: before that. Before that, actually, even the uh-huh. credits are in the theme of the movie. So the company credits are like sort of pixelated and kind of breaking up. There's like the quality to those, it it actually brings you into the world of film before that eye even opens up. That was one of the things I noticed on watching it again, that you get this like sort of pixel interference, which is really fitting too, because they talk about at a later point like the blackout of technology. So you get like this weird vibe of the past of this world before you enter this world. I thought that was really oh. brilliant. Like and I didn't, oh, notice, yeah, it I didn't I really notice it the first time I saw it. Yeah until so. that's funny. Um, so anyway, and, then go ahead, Paul, with the eye. Oh, it was, so I, I I just
1: thought it was interesting that the that original sequence with uh, Sapper Morton and um, and Kay, where well, he's waiting there while he harvests the, those worms, and uh, the, with the pot of garlic, like that was actually all storyboarded by Ridley Scott for the original Blade Runner, and it's a sequence. It it was actually the original opening sequence for the original movie that they decided not to use. They decided to use the um, that interview with. Um, Kowalski or Leon and, um, Olden instead. Um, so I just thought that I thought it was really interesting that connection to the original that they use the same, uh, original sequence. And, uh, I mean, I, I love, I love it so much how he just like, you see this kind of very austere environment. He walks in there and he's just like waiting for Sapper Morton and he tells him, like, you know, you never witnessed the miracle and, um, so, yeah, I mean, what do you guys think about that opening sequence?
0: I think it's cool, like you said, so that hmm. basically the the story kind of goes – that it's in that Dangerous Days documentary, which we talked about in our Blade Runner episode, where Ridley Scott was just kind of – Hampton Thatcher said working with him, he was just like this well of ideas where he'd just kind of come up with things. He's like, I see a pot boiling on the stove, and he described that scene to – To the writer. And then he in like Hampton's like, like that was, you know, how he is in the documentary that just went off on this. And it's so cool because they show you in that documentary the storyboards and then you see it like realized here. But the really, really cool thing to me was how it absolutely is integral to the story and the story begins in that moment. If that were the the beginning of the other Blade Runner, it would have been a cool way to introduce things, but it wouldn't have really motivated the story. With this, this is the actual beginning of the functional story. It's so cool to see, bam, this first moment, then they the whole fight sequence, they discover the bones. And the fight also mirrors a little bit the final battle with Roy Batty when they're like going through the walls. There's little things there that kind of like bookends the previous movie. So there's like these nice touchstones in that terms, but then you also have the story begins right there. And even though this is a long movie, it's like it starts and is more, it's more of like a direct, it's interesting because this is more of an actual detective story than the original Blade Runner, even though Blade Runner is like that, Sort of you know sci-fi noir. This is like a legit detective story, and that's one thing that I thought was interesting. Like he starts the it, the pursuit. The story starts there.
2: I I, I want to say and like I, I talk about this like I, I think this is the third or fourth time I watched this movie. I've seen this movie I think more than I've actually seen the original Blade Runner, uh, and I, I at least like it, it, like fully because I've seen I've seen Blade Runner bits and pieces like so many times because I'll just pick and choose scenes and stuff. But like this one. It always amazes me seeing, like, Dave Bautista going from, like, me watching him wrestle to being in Guardians of the Galaxy and kind of, you know... His acting was kind of hard to watch a little bit in Guardians 1. Like, it's just... It's because his Drax has written so well and he's just so out... Like, and, and and he's just so awkward that it kind of works. And that's why I think I love Drax so much because Drax actually is my favorite Guardian. Um, Anyway, and then seeing him... Like in, uh, I think it was what, Spectre for a little bit, like for like a teeny, teeny bit. And then seeing him in this movie at the beginning, he is so good. He is no, he so is. good. Yeah. Like, and he, it, and
0: it's, it's a subtle performance, which is like, yeah. especially when you like you trace back to wrestling. It's the opposite of that. Even it, it, like, even though there's an aspect of him as a wrestler, he was like, it's funny because he, he as a wrestler was always more that like the beast kind of guy that didn't do as much talking you know, and hear that like with that quietness and it's almost like that persona plays into this guy has a past. Yeah. But he's also, I mean, it's just, he's,
2: he's so broken and like, he's, yeah, like, like, he's, uh, there's a lot like, yeah, he, he just, man, the whole thing, the whole conversation, like even just before the fight is just so tense and so good that like, I don't know if it's just the director or what happened. Like, um, it's actually really funny, because I actually personally know his at this time at this time, especially i don 't know now, but i 'm actually very good friends with his acting coach who actually has been on a lot of our uh continuations and has also been a guest on our on our grand Geekery show uh twice uh, where we sit down for, with him for two hours and talk to him uh and so and he was telling me about he got to be on set and be there during all this and it's just it's, it's amazing how like far he went from just to what 2014, which was Guardians of the Galaxy, to now yeah yeah 2004 to just in two years and being in a James Bond movie in this movie and both and like you know James Bond it was okay you know he was just a bad guy performance wasn't you know the greatest it was it, it was good it didn't take me out of the movie like some like some wrestlers have <laughs> but God this movie it was not only awesome like just seeing him. But, like, really feeling the weight of the scene, I just com- honestly forgot it was, like, I saw him and go, oh, my God, it's Dave Batista And then I just completely forgot because he just blends in and, and is, is this character. And, and the scene is so tense that it, I just don't even care.
0: <laughs> well, that was the way when I watched it, when this is only the second time I've seen it, uh, but 2049, because kids, this came out in 2017 when my daughter was born that yeah. year. So that tells you repeat movie viewings unfortunately used to be like my thing now it's not so much a part of my life but whenever this we were watching this i remember we're watching it judy and i and she i was like you know that's drax she's like what <laughs> she was just blown away
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh. yeah but i love how like it just engrosses you in this world just so quickly and i i agree like i love batista's impor- performance and I mean, I think it's great, and I kind of have a feeling that he could have overpowered K, but he purposely sacrificed himself so that the, you know, the the trail would end there with,
2: um, like, I think he was... I thought he was uh, already weakened, that... though. What was it? I thought he was already weakened, though. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty old. I think
1: he got there, like, in 2020 yeah, or something like that. 20... So he's a relatively old uh, replicant. Um and i i do i like that how they upgraded the replicants from like you know like the next six had the four-year lifespan and these ones had an unlimited lifespan and uh you know when they um and you know there's in a way there's kind of like a class system between the replicants like he like the eights run away and so whatever replicant version uh ryan Gosling is or
0: well, uh, it's, like- it's, it's sort of that, that little the disclaimer at the beginning kind of credit like tells you the replicants were outlawed at that point because of various rebellions. So the Nexus series – and it bankrupted the Tyrell Corporation. So then uh, – and then there was like other issues. And then Wallace came in and um, he created a new form of replicant that was obedient, which is the Ryan Gosling form. So and he's yeah. therefore hunting down the other old replicants that are not obedient to any basically those open those nexus 8s with that open-ended lifespan but there's also that there's these two two or three short films that are like anime i think that um i've seen like two of them so I, i've seen two i think there might be a third one but they give you some of that backstory of like the things that happen with like sapper and then there's one where it kind of what how the blackout happened like they then the replicants tried to use like a nuclear bomb near Los Angeles and it didn't quite work, but it like created this like electromagnetic pulse type thing that erased all the data. So like there's these short films that are like kind of the backstory that give you a little bit of that context, not that you need it, but it just kind of fleshes out the world. It's kind of like the animatrix. Yeah. Really. yeah it's by, I yeah. think some of the people who I did, the did, Cowboy it. Bebop guys yes, did. Yes, yes, uh, yes. The uh, guy you know, in Cowboy, Cowboy Bebop. Navi.
1: Yes, totally. And, uh, so yeah, after that, uh, so he, he does a scan of the area with his drone and he finds like this box, uh, in the ground and he tells, um, Robin Wright, to dig it, uh, dig for this, you know, little locker box that's like buried in the, uh, under this tree. Um, and he finds it by looking at that little daffodil or whatever that is, that little flower on the ground. He kind of notices it and he's like, Oh, what's that over there? And then he does a scan and he realizes that there's a locker, the locker box that they need to dig up. Um, I really love that introduction into the, into LA when he's flying over the city. And it's like way higher up than what we see in the original Blade Runner. It's like you kind of see in the crevices, like all the holograms and like all the neon lights, but you're like way high up in the city. And I just love that, um, uh, Hans Zimmer, how he did the score. I love the uh, that motorcycle sound in the soundtrack.
0: Oh, I hated that actually. Oh, really? No, I... Me. I actually yeah.
2: always forget how much I love the soundtrack and how much I want to like buy it, and I always forget to. And I probably will all again, but like, I, I disagree with you. Josiah. I love it too. I I love I love well, the you, soundtrack. You,
0: you guys are both wrong. Clearly, <laughs> uh, I don't like this like the soundtrack, but I'm specifically that noise. I'm not. Mm. That's what I. I like the soundtrack, but that. It sounded like a chainsaw or a lawnmower was like trying to start repeatedly. <laughs> that's why, I, and I like the score because it's 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 very evocative of the Vangelis, but yet it's different, which it should be. But I, that's I'm referring to that specific noise, like there's round. A... Yeah, I would much rather have that noise in all of the
2: Dark Knight Rises soundtrack. I think. <laughs> Sorry, ba-bom. shade. But,
0: uh, hey, <laughs> the the, the, well, the yeah, the thing I guess I didn't like about it was it's it's. It's like a. I, I don't know. This isn't a great way to describe it. It's like almost like a broken version of like the sound the, that Vangelis used and like the sort of wow sounds. But it's like almost like that's why I don't like it. That's all. And I don't like. And I like the soundtrack. I don't want to misinterpret my whole meaning here. So
2: no, absolutely. I know what you mean.
0: <laughs> yeah, I definitely like how the
1: score is like an evolution of that the Vangelis soundtrack. Like it's not just the and same. By the way, it was
0: Hans Zimmer with someone else. So credit to the, his collaborator. I the name yeah, escaped. Exactly. just give Hans full credit on that. Uh,
2: I I, want to give credit because I kind of want to go back to one thing about this film. I I really, really, really love like all of the supporting cast and characters, which definitely Blade Runner, the original does not have that problem. Like, like I think in the the first one, the only characters I actually, I actually like are Guy Gaff, you know, um, you know, uh, Harrison Ford you know, the Edward James Olmos, uh, Sean, uh, Sean Young and Roy Batty, like everybody else. And then also the, the guy with the aging disease who, you know, helps create the replicants. Those are like the only characters I like and cared about in the entire film where everybody else is kind of like, all right, where this one, I love Robin Wright. I love Lieutenant Joshi. Um, I, I love joy. Um, love is awesome, but I love joy. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm a, I love Joy. Um, who is Love? <laughs> love love is
0: the villain, I know, right? It, it, yes, it's confusing because Love is a character, by the way. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Yes.
2: So but, Love no, is,
0: yeah, Love is... is, is I think Wallace she's is an awesome,
2: of... like, villain. Like, I think
0: she's al- and she also... She is, yes, because, yeah, like, her motivation is she so wants to please Wallace that she'll do anything to it. But, and she. But she's also, you can see she's torn by what she's doing. Um, well, I want to
2: go on... One and way, like My though. favorite thing about her is that, unlike Sean Young in Blade Runner, she actually knows she's a replicant. Which I think is cool.
0: But I, I just it? kind of like segwaying because of that character, what that kind of uh, made me really think about is this movie really... I felt that this more directly goes at the themes that the movie has, as opposed to the first one, which the themes are there, but it's they're more subtle and things. But this movie, it's a little bit more direct. Like, there's you know the 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 other cops refer to K as a skin job even when K is dealing with love he diminishes her uh like so it's 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 even other, yeah sure the replicants aren't human but they're the, the other cops are dehumanizing K all the time even even uh Lieutenant Joshi uh, Robin Wright's character she diminishes him at one point uh or multiple points really as like sort of dehumanizes him and then even K does it to love when she says something like she says her name he's like, Oh, he like, he gave you a name. Like that's cute. Like is an insult to her, like to, to like taking, trying to like devalue what she has in her. And it's almost like in a way, like that's the moment where she's like, yeah, I hate you now. Yeah. <laughs> like in a way it's like, I'm on his side. <laughs> well, yeah. And he doesn't like her
2: to begin with.
0: So like, yeah, yeah. but, but man. it was just interesting how like, the layers of like it's just that sort of you know the the racism of this world that parallel where they call them you know the skin jobs the other cops there's a part where the cop who's the you know the guy who's the sniper in um in the dark knight you know who was one of the joker's lackeys who has like oh. thaws on his <laughs> thing
3: yeah
0: um that actor I can't think of his name but he's also you know the russian guy in ant man he um, oh yes God I love that guy oh. I love that guy yeah, so well, much he says oh. like he, 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 this character name is Coco. Yeah, yeah. So he says something like he's like about like when he's analyzing the bones, he's like sort of under his breath, like sentimental skin job. And then he looks, you know, Kay gives him a look and he looks at Kay and he's like, sorry. And it was just that great sort of like, you know, like how he really feels. But yet it, like balancing, it's, it just felt really real that moment. Like it's just horrible, but yet
2: honest. I, I want to give that guy a shout out real quick. David Dust. Anyway, that guy's awesome. We he's
0: always great, yes.
2: He's always amazing. I actually and I t- I tweeted at him once with the GGD and I was just like, just let just want to let you know you're a chameleon and a master of acting. And he tweeted us back being like, That is the nicest thing ever. Thank you so much. And and he retweeted us too. And he goes, Show these guys oh, love. Yeah, so nice. he so he tweeted at me, then retweeted us with but was saying basically, say, hey guys, check out these guys, they're awesome. And that's I was like, ah so I want to give a shout out it's to a, him. He's amazing. That's really
0: cool. <laughs> Props to him and I apologize for not being able to say your last name. I have a last name no one can say too, so
2: that <laughs> Dasmalchian? Das That das Malchian? Das Malchian. Das, so that's mention.
1: Okay. <laughs> Actually so look, that's that's um so that's interesting what Josiah said about the, uh, with the bones and Coco, because that kind of like is the crux of the film where, um, they discover that the pile of bones that they found in the locker box is actually the bones of Rachel and that she, they find out how she died and that she gave birth to a child and, um, they were able to find, like Kay was able to find those at serial number. Um, so they know that she was a replicant. So he goes over to Robin Wright and, they have this uh, ex- this conversation about Kay says, you know, am I going to have to retire this person that has a soul? Like this person is
0: yeah. He, he 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 says yeah. His line is uh, I wrote it down. I never retired something that was born before, and that oh, was what yeah. it led to. He's like, and she's like, you have a problem with that? And it's like that you know yeah. that implication that Paul's getting that he has a soul.
1: Yeah, and she, and she says to him, uh, you've been getting fine without one. And then, you know,
0: um, yeah, just another one of those dehumanizing things that and and it's so funny because it's like I thought it was so brilliant from like as the writer there, the as the writer there, I wrote that line from, from the sort of thinking as a writer there, though, because she means it as like a compliment, like to him, I feel, but it's the most horrible, diminishing, insulting thing she can say where it's like she but she means it as like well you're like you're an ad like it's like that the 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 racial cliche of like oh you're one of the good ones for insert your race here like that that kind of attitude i thought it was like really a powerful way to have that exchange occur within yeah. the reality of this science fiction universe and i really like the juxtaposition of how the old
1: replicants like Roy Batty they actually had names and K just has KD three nine seven eight. Like these new replicants who are supposedly more integrated in society, they just have serial numbers. They just have instead of full names. So they're even though they're more part of society, they're more dehumanized. So I really, I think that's a really interesting juxtaposition uh, in the past like thirty years before where replicants are at the time. Yeah. Um, and uh, one thing that's always really striking to me is like he goes back home. And uh, he's talking with somebody, and you're like, "Who is this person?" Like, you don't see the, you just hear a voice. You hear um, Anna de Armas's voice, and you realize that she, it's a hologram named Joy, and basically she cooks like this holographic meal, you know, and um, like you can see that they love each other so much. And I just really enjoyed the interplay between the two of them. And it's interesting that Kay's so lonely that he has has to find companionship. And another AI, like a hologram. I,
2: I, it's it's weird with that because I don't think it really matters. I don't think it means a lot, like it does for humans to be with somebody. I think it's actually almost just as real for him, except for the fact that he can't touch her. But like, I actually think that it's like I, I think that they're probably with him being a replicant. They're able to connect in a, in a completely, you know, more of a. Um, I guess uh, not robotic, but basically I think they connect in a different way where it literally is only like the physical touch is the only barrier where everything else, they're probably on the same, same wavelength and like everything. And uh, that's what I would assume at least.
0: My thought was though, that he, that, 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 that that might be the understanding of their connection, but the reason that he has her is because he would never be able to have a real woman. Like no human woman would want him. And he, that's what He wants, he wants, a real human person. And this, he he would like being with the replicant wouldn't be the same, or at least in his mind at that point, right? Being with a replicant wouldn't be the same. He kind of, part of his evolution for the film is understanding what it really means to be a replicant. Are, are we alive? Are we human kind of thing? And I think that that's what it is that human connection he seeks. And this is the only way to get it. So it's, but it is therefore completely real for him and it is for her too. And it's, and it's that powerful next level of, what it is it to be human it's this and this is like what uh it's like this is a subplot for blade runner 2049 that is better than the movie her which is completely about you know <laughs> the same thing
2: i love her i love that film oh. so much i don't dislike it but this i think this is no, better i think they did it, <laughs> well i think they're i mean i mean let, let's be real well, I mean, they're yeah, it's two different very movies. different stories
0: <laughs> i'm saying within like this is the same theme as a p- 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 part of this but the questioning the humanity of something that's yeah. most definitely not human. Like, you know what I mean? When you say, well, it's a hologram, of course it's not a person. But she cares for him, like, clearly, like, yeah. the, especially the more you see her throughout the film. Yeah, so, I don't know, I just think, I kind of view it as his
1: loneliness and his desire for companionship is every bit as strong as, like, a human's would be. And so, uh, for for in, in my opinion, I, I, I thought can't that relate
0: was... to humans, so that's my big problem. What was that? <laughs> I can't oh. relate to humans, so I can't. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't even go there. You're like an AI. I'm a like, I have yeah. a wife and two daughters, but I don't relate to humans.
1: <laughs> uh, Unfortunately, yeah. I, for them. So I interpret that scene as like the first scene where, even though he is a replicant, he's closer to humans than humans are because. I mean, there is a sense of compassion and sense of love that he has for this, like, AI. And, I don't know, I just, it, it it's just, like, it's
0: so beautiful and sad, in a way. And especially, like, the walk, like, his walk into his apartment, like, the, from the police precinct where everybody's, like, insulting him, calling him a skin job, on up through, they, even on his door, they paint, like, something about skin job. I forget what it is, but yeah, like F- some graffiti. F- yeah. Uh, and, and so like, it's just like everyone in the world is horrible to him. He wants to be in the human world, but they will just absolutely not accept him. And here's the one person, you know, I'm doing air quotes here that will accept him. It's not even really a person. That's, that's, that's beautiful. It's sad, and but powerful and beautiful because of that. And I, uh, so I, what I thought was
1: interesting, he gets that emitter so that she can walk outside of the apartment without using that, I don't know, that crazy uh, projector thing that's up on the ceiling. And she's, like, dancing around. And then he's like, oh, where, where do you want to go? And so they go up on the roof. And what really impresses me is that um, when she's out there on the roof, she's a hologram. And there's, at first, all the rain goes right through her. And then the AI kind of... Uh, like recalculates what's going on and and like is able to show rain going on a skin yeah. on her like holographic skin. So I like how the, it's, it's interesting to see that the process of the AI kind of rec- like trying to calculate the, the randomness of the rain and then showing the rain on the skin. And so they have this re- this really intimate moment where they're about to kiss and then she pauses and he's like, oh, you got a voicemail, <laughs> like the most mundane thing possible and it like every time it's like it cracks me up that how dark that is like that it's like, so sad can't even have a moment of intimacy and not one he has like can't have a, have a moment of intimacy second his intimacy is like with this like you know a hologram <laughs> and then he's like I don't know and then of all things that that moment is spoiled by getting a voicemail which is like so mundane and ridiculous. So, uh, what do you guys think about that? I mean, I... hold
0: on, I'm getting a call. So it's a call. The... No, no uh, I mean,
2: I, I, uh, I, I think I think it was definitely funny, uh, but it also shows again another barrier as to, you know, how kind of what Josiah was saying is just how uh, much Ryan Ga- uh, K is not getting what he really wants. That no matter what, there will always be gigantic barriers, such as like even having an entire moment with a human being, person, somebody, a partner, and so I mean, I don't think it was there for comedy. I think it was there to really just show the fact that he's done, like even though she's basically like almost perfect on on paper, mm-hmm. and, that she, and that she can adapt. However, she still has major functions, which is telling him giving him messages, giving him, you know, basically being his uh, secretary uh, service. And
0: I think it also shows, though, too, like there's another thing going on there where replicants are slaves in this world. And he is a slave, even though he's has his own place and he's free, quote, free in the world. He is still a slave and a slave to his job because that's a call about the case and something, you know, goes on with that. So it's like he is even though he has the appearance of freedom, he is absolutely not free. And I think that's an important part of that. I mean, it, it makes it more powerful by that moment of like potential intimacy, and then oh, work is calling. It's like that. That's all he has. Yeah, that is yeah. his job because that's what he exists to do. He was made for that purpose. He was made to do his job. Yeah, I, it's uh... like there's a there's a part in and I think it's in the final cut of Blade Runner where Gaff at the end shouts. It's you know uh, where he's like, "You've done a man's job, sir, but are you a man?" Like he, it's like a, it might be like an outtake or something. I can't remember. It all blurs together at this point, but it's like that literal direct question of his humanity, and that's with yeah. how it shows it in the film here with Kay.
2: Yeah. So w- with this film, like you know, we have a protagonist which is a hundred percent a replicant with no question at, at all whatsoever, trying to get clues and also trying to solve the, a uh, a case as well of a missing daughter of, of a possible human replicant or two replicant, whatever. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I can't even get into that right now. Um, and you know, having somebody like, like Robin, <laughs> I, I think I love Robin Wright's character. I love Lieutenant, uh, Joshi or Joshi, whatever it is. And, uh, her relationship with him, because again, she's a little mean to him, but also she's like, has, a lot of respect for him like she even says like you know i've worked with a lot of you in the past and and then she's like you know but she talks about how he's different and how it's been different which is kind of cool i think
0: we talked about last episode in blade runner where the 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 cop was there's there's a part where in his narration he's like he's the kind of cop who would have you know called a man a black man the n-word 40 you know what i mean like he says that like and she is functionally like that kind of Cop in this world where she's like literally like it's the equivalent of saying you're a credit to your race. Yeah. To him, I mean, I'm not saying she doesn't genuinely care about it, but she does a great job of bringing that reality. It's it's
2: it's it shows you putting him in his place before you you know just in case exactly
0: exactly but yet really genuinely caring about him too. Yeah. And like, and it's to her credit for being able to bring that together.
2: Yeah. So.
1: But yeah. From there uh K goes to the Wallace Corporation and he flies over the city and he see, and I thought thought this was really neat. You see the old Ty- Tyrell Corporation building? Um, <laughs> oh yeah, you know, you have, it's, it's all blacked out. <laughs> yeah, it's blacked out cuz they like got bankrupted uh what was it 2019 or 2020. They got Pan Am. Um, yeah, yeah, they literally <laughs> they got, got Atari. Pan Am. <laughs> Even though Pan Am exists in that world for some reason. <laughs> um and so they uh yeah, he goes to wallace Corporation, he's uh trying to find out what's to do with those bones, um or he has a lock of hair yeah. he's trying to find out you know what's to do with his lock of hair and uh love like uh has a recording that they listen to with uh it's basically the void contest between Rachel and deckard, so Kay re- recognizes it like oh he you know he uh she liked him, She was like toying with him and and then after that, there's a scene with Wallace. Like, I don't know, there's a replicant on, like, flypaper that, like, falls off the flypaper. And I guess he, what he's trying to do is replicate or replicate, uh, get a replicant that could actually procreate, like Rachel. <laughs> the
0: wording he's there. Just, he's trying to replicate a replicant to procreate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was a whole lot of, like, whatness. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that, sorry, yeah, yeah,
1: that's a little a bit odd. But that's what's Wait, happening, yes. But he's, yeah, he's trying to replicate that technology. Wait, huh.
2: He's trying to yeah. uh, I, 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 Okay, well, <laughs> let's talk about, let's let's talk about, like, like the bigger picture, possibly. Because that's, like, I, I want to say, like, one thing I do like about, you know, like, like, Wallace, like, Wallace Corp is that they, it is very similar to Tyrell, but also, like, have a completely different kind of, like, outlook, I feel which is kind of like interesting to me, which is actually makes me actually care more about that company. Uh, like as to be like, well, what the hell is happening? Like kind of like, like, you know, wh- what is going on? Where Tyrell is just kind of just like, yeah, just, just, just do this. These guys are bad and, and I, I do stupid shit. And then, but I want to make money <laughs> Well, this one is more of just like, it's like, it's that crazy kind of like corporation where like, especially when we meet Jared Leto's character, like it, it's, it has like this whole other like kind of outlook. And, or at least like um, um, or look to it in the movie to where everybody where everything is just kind of like oh it's innovative it's new it's everything and uh, and where you don't know where they're gonna go where they're coming from where Tyrell is more of like oh we're just making things easier for you we're like where the new company is more of just kind of like we're just gonna throw everything left field and you're gonna love it. And that's it. Like it has nothing to do with like making your life easier or even talking about its consumers. It's talking about how innovative they are and bigger. And that's something I kind of picked up and liked.
3: I mean,
1: I think of it this way. I think Terrell is like is like uh, Steve Jobs. Like he's the revolutionary. He's the guy with the great ideas. And, and Wallace is because because Terrell's dead. Wallace is kind of like uh, Tim Cook. Like I, I think he's somebody that doesn't really have many ideas. He's just kind of doing the same thing over and over again, and uh, so I see.
0: I think Wallace, No, Wallace. Like Wallace thinks himself as God. Wallace is God. Wallace. He talks about like because well, of him, because of his replicants, which are obedient. His replicants didn't listen. They've conquered nine new worlds, and he's trying to get them to the procreate. He says the sac. Like he like literally. He says the sacrifice of millions for the sake of billions or he says billions for the sake of trillions like because it's he wants to leave this legacy that's uns like he will be bigger than Tyrell's legacy he will be the biggest he will be I don't know what sort of corollary there are in the real world but that's what he wants he wants to be the one you're about. I'll
2: say he's more like Mark Zuckerberg except for like way more egotistical and actually has a little bit of charm to him yeah, yeah, fuck, <laughs> yeah, fuck oh, you, Mark Zuckerberg. Has a
0: kind of real personality. <laughs> yeah,
2: he actually has a personality and is, you know, I think he's also a lot more human than than, uh, than Mark Zuckerberg. But yeah, <laughs> sorry.
1: And I find it interesting how he has that um,
2: those implants where he's like
1: he's blind, but then he has these weird little robots flying around. Yeah, checking everything. He has an implant. I love and that so it's too. He's human, but he's trying to become more like a robot.
0: Basically. Or I,
2: I think he just wants to see. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I, know, I, mean, Jared, wants, I read, I read Jared different. Leto like, wore opaque contact so he could not see, because that's the way he does these things, you know? The guy who sends like, used condoms as Joker, he, <laughs> he wore opaque stop. contact so he would actually be blind. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I want to backtrack a little bit, because there's a scene that we haven't talked about that happens before that scene. Um, we can just talk real quickly, touch on it, is when Kay goes and talks to Gas so oh okay. yeah because that's a big scene oh, like it's a oh, little show, scene, but it's a big yeah, scene yeah oh yeah can, so, I, say, can I say something like real that. quick
2: Cause i'm so sorry it's just yeah. now that like because we had just watched blade runner and i didn't realize that that was edward james almost <laughs> <laughs> like like the entire time of how many times i've seen those scenes and, and pictures and everything I, I now now knowing that like who james ever or uh edward james almost was and seeing this movie again i like gasped and got like way more excited <laughs> <laughs> now that I know who the hell he played, that's not just some guy. Well, no, I, I you know, like I, like I said last episode, I knew Edward James almost was somewhere in Blade Runner. And I, but I was like, maybe he's just such a small character. I mean, like, that was it. And I just miss him every single time I watch it or I see a scene or I just don't watch the scenes that he's in. I look it up on IMDb and I see a picture and I was just like, oh, f- he's like my favorite character of the first movie almost. <laughs> I, lo- I love in this movie how he looks like Colonel Sanders.
0: <laughs> he's gonna do one of those kfc commercials that's their new thing right they get a different actor like every time right oh, the next God. one it was like mid <laughs> <and> shoot <laughs> saw, his, yeah he's like i'm just gonna wear the same costume this white thing with a bow tie i don't want to have to change my hair or my mustache or my outfit and i'll do your movie i one thing i did think that was funny it shows harrison ford was like probably like unwilling to like wear a legit costume in this movie because later on he's like wearing like pants and a t-shirt <laughs> and i'm like like and Gaff is like he's decked out like Gaff would be because he's his character. Whereas Harrison Ford, like I wanted to see him in some kind of you know like weird plaid button up with suspenders or something. But it's like no, Harrison was like I'm just gonna wear a t-shirt and cargo pants. Like, you know, he's wearing a great. <laughs> he's like I won't do the movie if you don't do that. And, like jeans. <laughs> like, yeah, like, they had to and like camera. Like, just... They had to like beg him to wear the cargo pants instead of his like instead of jeans. <laughs> He's like, like I'm not, brilliant. I'm not wearing
2: the goddamn trench coat again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but then, so he, they talked about that. that there's the, this is where there's an implication that Deckard is, in fact, a replicant. When he uh, Gaff does say something, the line is uh, something in his eyes. Like he, that was oh, line, yeah. something in his eyes, which is obviously significant, showing the eyes, and so that was really powerful. Then he puts down the origami sheep which is also a cool little nugget to the original title of the book, to Android Stream of Electric Sheet" by Philip K. Dick, which we haven't mentioned, so credit to him as well for originating the story that led down to this path as well. So um, I just thought it was how powerful. This is like the first implication that, that Deckard could also be a replicant in this film in that way. And I read uh, some interviews with uh, the director, uh, Denis Villeneuve, um I'm trying my best to get that French pronunciation right. I like googled it. I studied French in college and high school, but my French is so bad that I apologize Can to we just call him Oh hi Denny? Oh hi Denny. Denny, Denny, right? Danny <laughs> oh, oh hi Denny. <laughs> yes. That's right. Okay. Oh, from uh, now on, from
2: I, now on in this episode, we're calling him Oh hi Denny. Uh, oh hi, Denny! The rest so, of the episode. Oh, <laughs> oh hi, Denny!
0: I did not, I did not. Oh hi, Denny! I'm throwing my water glass here. Um, I did not. <laughs> um, I, so, did not oh,
2: hi,
0: I did not shoot her. I did not. But anyway, so oh hi, Denny. He in an interview said he talked about the this movie. Like for him, the the movie is the original. Like. You know, you go off of the ending of the original film where they kind of go off happily ever after. How it ends, what have you? That he said, but his, for him, it's, there's sort of two versions of the film that are the film that he thinks about. It's the original version and the final cut version. And he talked about how the original version is essentially a story of a human falling in love with an android yeah. while killing androids or a replicant, and then the but the final cut makes it a human discovering that he is actually a replicant. And so he said he used the sort of tension of those two movies to inform this movie where you're still not sure what's going on with Deckard specifically. It doesn't, it's, you know, it's not his movie, but there's still that question lingers out there. And this is that first big planted seed of that. Because I, I feel like it, it gets to the question is the, if, if, if it's a replicant child that Rachel had, did Deckard have to also be a replicant in order for that? To be a thing that can happen, or yeah. is it, you know, a, like, uh, a, for lack of a better word, but like a mixed kid. And thank, like, you know, African and, and thank,
2: and thank God for this movie for spelling it out, letting us know a hundred percent as to what is <laughs> happening and how. Just kidding, I'm just joking. It didn't do jack shit. Uh. <laughs> yeah, well, I fucking love that. I fucking love that that it didn't do.
1: That, you know, it didn't answer that question or answer that debate. Well, it's because so they have like probably
0: another three trilogies planned where they do these things. No, I, it didn't make enough you money. Know, I'm, enough money. you know, so in 30 I, years when we get the next sequel, then we'll not still not
2: know. You know, I, I, I'm sorry. I kind of want to know the ant, like maybe not a hundred percent, percent spelled out, but even if there was a line of somebody saying there is a possibility or, like, even even if it is Jared Leto's character where he goes, it is possible. Blah, 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 blah. And that's it. But, like, you know, he it, it, it doesn't have to say, does he know how to do it? He doesn't know how to do it. Blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, anything. Like, it's just, it's just.
0: So let's like, bring it up now. Question now for both yeah. of you. Do you think he is, based on having seen this, do you think he's a replicant? No. Because he's gotten No, because he's gotten older. And,
2: like, now the replicants haven't Well, aged. the replicants
0: yeah. age. The replicants still
2: age. Do they age? But no. Okay, uh, sorry. When he how uh, they age is a different question. Yeah. Well, yeah. How they age and everything. So the first Blade Runner I mean, Harrison Ford really aged. Yeah, but like really, really, the aged the, the the original Blade <laughs> the Runner they days. they only lasted for what five to sixty four to five four to six years.
0: They had a four year lifespan. Built four year years
2: lifespan. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he's not a replicant. He's just not. Like, like that answers the question there. Well he
0: would be if he is, he's the Nexus eight, as opposed oh. to the Nexus what was it in in Blade Runner they were the Nexus sixes, right? The, those yeah. were the ones yeah, he was yeah. pursuing. That was at that at that point the top of the line. So he was So was possibly, seven. He, Maybe he's a seven. Yeah, exactly. So maybe they're the they'd be the Nexus Seven and the Nexus Eight were then the generation that came from them. I don't if think, they are replicant. I, I don't think he's a replicant personally. I don't. I,
2: don't I think if he was a replicant, nobody would give a shit.
0: Oh yeah, no. I I
1: honestly think he's human. Um, basically for the same reasons that were explained in the last podcast about Blade Runner. Narratively, it just would have been better that he's a human. Yeah, and that you know. Uh, a replicant taught him how to be human
2: they really try to make so, us think that he's a replicant in this film though i will say that that this film did a way bigger way way more push to make us believe that he is but the thing is is i don't know if it's i'm just i'm stubborn or the fact is that no it doesn't make any sense because again if he was a replicant he served his time i'm sure somebody basically you know especially like with edward james old like they wouldn't have given a shit if he was a replicant they would have been like just Live out in the desert, do nothing. You've you've served your purpose and you've saved a lot of lives. And you're not gonna you're not gonna rise against us, you're not gonna leave us, you're not gonna do anything. Just fucking go. Like they wouldn't care. He wouldn't he he wouldn't rise up. Like he's seen both sides where he saw the human the humanization of of Roy Batty and them and still wasn't like a hundred percent okay with it. Like I'm sure I just don't think with you know 30 years have you know in between that they would care 30 years later about him and a, and a and a daughter and a daughter replicant why would they care 30 years later especially when she's fully grown as well that's what i'm saying is like i just don't think it really makes a lot of sense as to why the entire world would care 30 years later as opposed to maybe five or maybe like i don't know i just Wait, in, the, in the context of the movie or in the movie and, and in the just... context of the movie well, I'm just saying, like, but in I'm the timeline, no, I don't think he's a replicant at all. I'm saying if he was, if he was, like, yeah. they would have looked for him way earlier it, for 30 years of them just not, you know, like, just leaving him alone. Why would they care after 30 years is what I'm saying. Does that make sense,
0: Josiah, or am I going just... No, you know, I, I mean, follow what you're saying. I follow what you're we saying. I don't know that, but we don't know why they didn't, like, maybe they thought he was dead we don't know exactly, you know, we don't know what they thought of him because part of it is too, I think with the, the implication of the blackout is that sort of the, the window for you don't exist anymore kind of scenarios. I think that's a little bit what's going on there. So then they could successfully hide. And that's why they were at least in part, I think the blackout is why they were successfully able to hide the kid because when they put the kid back into circulation in the world, she had no record before that, right? She's, a few years old at that point when she goes into that like slave driving orphanage thing where because of the blackout, there was no record of her previous to that. So they'll take her in. So you know what I mean? So they wouldn't have even necessarily known he's out there and couldn't have cared to know. I
1: think it this way. I think it this way. Like when she went down into, when they both went down into that uh, vault, it was obviously like they haven't been there for like a long time. And only Wallace has access to that information. It seems like, and, so I just think that after the blackout, nobody really wanted to go back and look for anything or care about anything pre blackout. Um and yeah, I just I just think it's that. Like Deckard was kind of lost in time uh because of the blackout. And so in a way, whatever that it, i I didn't actually see the short and I probably should watch it, but
2: Yeah, I haven't seen any of the um, short either. I didn't even know that the animes were already out. I thought it was just announced. Man, I'm I'm behind. Or maybe I'm thinking about a different, I was, a different movie. Like my
1: interpretation <laughs> is that I thought they came out like 2017.
2: So. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking about a different yeah. I know another I know another like thing that's having like an like an anime series coming out and I can't remember. Yeah.
1: So so my interpretation is that information pre blackout is a privilege. That only like a mega billionaire like Wallace would have access to it. And everybody else is kind of left in the dark. You know they yeah. they just don't have access to that information, and so I think Wallace is able to control that information and and you know disseminate it in, in any way he wants to, um, and so yeah, I mean I just think it's that that nobody. But just- even that, like
0: the, the even though he's the one who controls it, he controls the pieces that are still there. That's the thing. So it's things are incomplete yeah. and things are missing. So even though he has as much as you can have, it's still not all there. Yeah. You know, it's not a complete picture. And that's part of why he can't figure out how Tyrell did it. Cause he doesn't have everything. You know, that's why it was important though. He he finally, he needed the physical bones. That's another step. Yeah. And I love how
1: he refers to them as angels. You know, um, I think that was a,
0: I think that's another line along that God complex thing yeah. that I was mentioning too. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah, because oh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah so he thinks go. he's God, he's and, and he He's his God,
0: angels. and they are angels. They're the ones yeah, that he created. Angels. Yeah,
2: his first creations, whatever. And yeah,
0: and they're the they're they're angels because, like you know, they in the biblical context, angels are above you know us as humans, and therefore the, his replicants in his world they are better than people. So then that leads him to San Diego where San Diego is like a
1: big trash heap. Um, one thing that's kind of interesting to me is like those, uh, those garbage trucks are actually in the movie soldier. They have yeah, this, so those. Are, yeah. these are I
3: told you
0: soldier. last time I said that's parallel. Yeah yeah, yeah,
1: right? yeah. yeah. You called it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's all these like, I don't know, these, these hobos or something. They like shoot at him and they shoot like a harpoon with a kite and it gets <laughs> a harpoon with a hobo. I mean, a hobo with a harpoon. Yeah, Hobo Harpoon. Oh, which is funny because uh, Rutger Hauer played Hobo with a shotgun. So <laughs> there you go. There's a connection right there. <laughs>
2: all the same it's universe. All, it's all
0: one huge it's universe. Of one soldier, blade runner in Hobo with a shotgun. <laughs> what I really
1: like about this scene, um, you see Love like getting her nails done while she's ordering a missile strike on these people and she's like doing it very clinically, like she's just like, "Oh, fire missile here, fire missile there," and blows these people up to where they're like, like pretty much paste.
3: Yeah, you know,
1: it's like so dispassionate. Um, while she's getting her nails done, and you know, she kind of just doesn't give a shit. Yeah, and she's and, like, oh, uh, "Do your job." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, what do you what do you think about that? What do you think about? I mean, you like, know. Uh, love?
2: It's kind of like what we were saying about her and Wallace from before, where it's just he has a God complex and she sees him as that God. So everything is disinteresting to her as long as he's happy. So she doesn't really care. She All she wants to do is do what his bidding is. If she if he wants something dead, she's going to kill it. And it's not going to bother her. You know, it, it, It's just something where she's not going to go out of her way from stopping from doing something when she can easily kill people that she's been ordered to kill
0: yeah i agree i think yeah that's it that's that's and she executes that character beautifully like she just that's it she just lives yeah, to no, serve no. him and like the only thing that would bother her is is it's like throughout the movie she gets frustrated because when she's failing him
2: it's nothing like to, i don't even think she cares about her whatsoever i think it's only about his uh, um, his approval and uh, that's the thing about, uh, uh, I think, about love is that she just doesn't, she, yeah, she is a replicant who just doesn't care, who doesn't have any identity, he doesn't have anything she serves, and that's what she wants. Is That's the thing is that she has a want, um, and that's what makes her different from, like, Sean Young, Sean Young's character, where she is trying to be real because she thinks she's real, and she's hopeful, and then, of course, she finds out she's not, and she's still hopeful, And trying to fight it and battle it off where it's the opposite of love where love is basically just like, well, I'm a replicant and he's God. So I'm going to turn all emotion and everything off where Sean Young's like, no, 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 I, I I have to be like, I, I, I don't want to be, I got to be as human as possible and continue this on. And like, and like kind of doubting or not even doubting, but like essentially lying to herself as well. And that's why I think it's like a a whole different dynamic between like Sean Young's character to Tyrell to love and wallace no, i was just
0: gonna say i really like that because i didn't really think of the connection for those two characters but they really are the parallel characters in that way how it's their connection to the creator yeah where it's the the, the wallace who is wants you to, to know i am god and tyrell who is like and for for um, a religious parallel is almost like the devil where he's he manipulates he's like a, he's like a trickster god yeah where he's like look yeah. i look at what i can do she doesn't even know what she is
2: yeah like,
0: exactly that, <laughs> yeah
2: yeah it, 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 it's a different that's that's yeah. so brilliant yeah i like that yeah the the you know god and devil thing i, I really and like that and which makes
0: sense why like wallace would be so motivated like He's interesting because he's really, like, in a sense the villain of the piece, but he doesn't at all see himself as that, whereas Tyrell is, like – Tyrell is obviously, like, the real villain of that piece, and he doesn't see himself as that, but yet he knows he's not a good guy. He doesn't just (laughs) – he just doesn't care, whereas Wallace, though, he thinks he is a great man, and he will show the world he is a great man. And I don't think
2: that he's really that – all that bad minus, like, you know, maybe wanting to hurt a couple humans. But like, I think he, I think he's messed up. I think that there's so many other. I assume that there are so many other billion trillionaires out there who have the exact same mindset as him. I, I, I just, I think he wants to be the best, uh, the you know, the very best, and no one ever was. Um, and to catch them is his real... T- I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Um, that was the Pokemon lyrics. Anyways, uh, so, uh, <laughs> no, but I, 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 I definitely, actually, definitely think. Tyrell is way worse, way worse. Like like what he was saying where he's messing with them and they bring him in and they do like the really and like the tests are so like aggravating to them and like it, it's kind of like a game to him where wallace just he wants to be god to them where he wants to them... yeah, like
0: like wallace is whatever you think of it he legitimately sees it as doing good yeah. whereas tyrell it doesn't it doesn't that's not his motivation at all you yeah. just because he it, just has it, the. Yeah. it's almost like he has the power to do it
2: yeah and, and that test is all to I anger saw... them it's to all not even show like ha- like it's just show other emotions it is only there to anger the the replicants and it's like him just toying with them i don't think that with
1: Tyrell, there was any malice behind it. I think there was pure oh, scientific. Oh, totally trust. was. I mean,
2: the whole thing. Whenever, oh, like, stuff. whenever he meets Sean Young's character, whenever he meets her, and like Tyrell, just like, what do you, what, yeah, like, what do you think? And he's like replicant. He's like, yeah. And like he's just like, well, yeah. does she know? And he's just like, because no. And you're just like, you're an asshole. Like you're just no, an asshole. To
1: test the limits of what replicants can do and how much they can pass as human. And so, like, I, I, I read that scene as kind of like. A scientist finding out data, like, looking at the data and seeing if he was successful in, in, in his experiment. But I think like, Tyrell, I see Tyrell wanted them to and... be
2: more slaves. I think he wanted them to be... I don't think so. I mean, that was the whole point of it. That's why he said he didn't want them to go... I mean, I don't know. How do you feel, Josiah? I feel like Wallace wanted to be their god, but also he also saw what they could be, but, but maybe not have so much freedom. But I don't think he wanted them to be, like, what Tyrell what was happening with Tyrell's models
0: I think I'm with Tyrell I feel like I'm sort of somewhere in between where the two of you are but I, cuz I see him as like I understand what Paul's saying the scientist but I I see him so much as that like like I said Wallace is the the I the god figure and I see like yeah but like you know the 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 as god and businessman as god and Tyrell is like scientist yeah Tyrell is is businessman as like I'm sorry Tyrell is like trickster like the scientist trickster though where he takes I to me it felt like he took pleasure in maybe it's like because of that scientist side it takes pleasure in proving that he's smarter than and better than them oh yeah because there's the implication that Harrison Ford right the Deckard is the best blade runner that's why he's brought out of retirement because he's the best and when he tests her it takes him that long to figure it out When normally he could figure out in a minute or two whatever it is, like I think that's he takes the joy in in proving his superiority through his creation. Uh, That's kind of where I land with him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, But and I don't know. It's interesting to compare the two. And uh, yeah, Wallace is definitely like a he sees himself like a god, and it's interesting that his motivations are very similar to like that underground replicant movement in that they want to be, you know, have that freedom. It's just, he wants to kind of have it under the, that the banner of the laws corporation, you know, he wants to be the one that leads them into, to, to break that wall, as they say. Um, And he wants to find, uh, find out that secret to where he could, where
2: he could create replicants that can procreate. Um, yeah, I don't think he wants so, to hurt any of the replicants, where Tyrell, I think, kind of got joy out of it. I don't think... He, like, I don't know. I don't think Tyrell really wanted to hurt them. I just think he was... I mean, he didn't care about Roy or any of I, them, about, like, you know, bringing them in. He wanted... He Didn't he want them dead? Like, didn't or didn't he want them, like, gone? No, he didn't and, want them,
1: no, no, he didn't want them
2: dead. I, I don't think, like all that directive to get them killed
1: wasn't Tyrell's directive it was that's something that's just like the law through. yeah that's yeah, true because they, yeah. they're yeah. off
0: world and they can't be on earth it's illegal for them to be on earth that's, that's where fair. that comes yeah. from yeah and,
1: that, and Tyrell
0: had no control over
1: that and in fact if it was up to him he would want it so that they are allowed on earth cuz he could you know market more replicants and he could like I don't know
0: about that. I think you're making a leap there that he'd want them on Earth.
2: <laughs> but I'm saying, the man was mad of money and everything. He could, he could have captured them and, they, and put, them, like, put them somewhere in the Tyrell Corporation. Like, yeah, because there was so much he could have done. He,
0: he's the most powerful corporation in the universe, not just the world. He has the power to say replicants can be on Earth, I think. And I that's think true. he keeps replicants off Earth because that's another le- measure of control. I think to keep them as slaves. Yeah. They're not even worthy of being on the home world. I, but I mean I don't know what, how much uh, con- you know like I don't know how, I much- love how we're talking about Tyrell all this time that we barely well, I mean, touched I, on him in like, the I, previous I, episode It's kind of funny.
2: I think it's important <laughs> yeah. because it also shows like I think also we're, we're proving more and more and more also that Decker is not a, a replicant because I mean why would you know like I I like I, I think it, we're showing off about why Jared. Leto, I like Wallace a lot, actually. I think Jared, and I think Jared Leto's performance is actually absolutely stunning. I, I think he did a great job. I think it's a very, very great character, and I love that Tyrell, who is honestly like you know a big, a big deal. People, I mean, I I mean Tyrell Corporation and everything like that. I mean Blade Runner is just it's it's a staple for most people who love film, and um. So as that character I I like talking about why Tyrell is doing one thing and then why Wallace, you know, wants to basically consume and basically you kind of like what what is it's not unity it's um where you make like all technology like into one where you like I, I do like this gigantic update it's uh, the ending of um of her It's essentially where it's like oh you know we're all going to be the same AI it's uh what is it called um yeah I guess that's it maybe I was just trying to
0: <laughs> So um so, but it, I think it does show, uh, though, like the importance of Tyrell for Wallace's motivations, for sure. Regardless of what we think of Tyrell or what the assessment of Tyrell, it does show you a lot of Wallace's motivation is because of what Tyrell did, no matter what.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, so, yeah, basically, we we go to the orphanage with all those kids, and they're like, you're working on. That's right, we're at the orphanage. <laughs> we're talking about time uh, round for twenty minutes, and we're at the orphanage scene, <laughs> yeah we're halfway through the movie uh and uh so he finds out that like he had a memory of this uh these kids chasing after him to steal his wooden horse, and he gets he gets the orphanage and he realizes, hey, this is the same orphanage that was in my memory, and he goes over and he finds that horse in like uh in some ashes, and it totally like breaks his world because he realizes that he might be real. He might be, you know, he might be the son that everybody's looking for. He might be that hybrid of replicants and human. Did you like that twist at the time? Like if you were to put yourself in the movie and you haven't seen this movie before and you're to watch it, do you think that's a good twist to have in this movie?
0: I think, think it is because the 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 movie here, the crux is sort of like the first movie, Right where you have Deckard, part of it is him throughout that film, therefore then questioning his humanity. If you have someone who knows he's a replicant as your main protagonist, he has to, what's the reverse of that? Uh, he's questioning like, oh my God, my humanity. Like that. that's what Deckard is doing, questioning his humanity. Therefore the replicant who knows he's a replicant would question, am I human? And And it also is really cool because it integrates it into the plot of the film as opposed to just, him bouncing off of what's happening and reflecting in it is like literally he's becoming involved in the the story. And I think what the idea there is, that's part of the big picture of what they were planning all along for these 30 years. This was all meant to happen at a certain time when this all came to fruition in a certain way. So it was like the long play that they all going back to that, you know, farm with uh, – With Drax, with Dave Batista, there with uh, what's his name Sapper Sapper Morton, like that was the long play they were going for. So I thought it was really cool. One thing I wanted to mention, it's funny, the San Diego, it's the first scene where you get a long sequence of uh, of Ryan Gosling like walking through an area. There's a lot of those in this movie where he (laughs) very slowly explores something. I I
2: actually I will say this I care more about the city. And the life of this movie than I did the first one because the first one was just it's so ugly and it's so cramped that I it's kind of hard for me to even like want to look around and see how it is like on the streets I mean like not like in the you know in the flying shots and stuff like that but like on the streets like it is not really fun to watch the original Blade Runner movie as much as it is this one because it's open you see so many other supporting characters and you get to see how they all look where in in the original one it's like literally like all like. like like Chinese restaurants or Asian restaurants. Like it's all it is. It's like, it's like Asian food and like vendors and, you know, Deckard and like maybe a couple people. And then even in the mall, the mall is like completely empty except for like a couple people. And like, it's not that interesting. It still looks cramped. Like that, like when they're going through all the glass and he's chasing that, the, the replicant, it's just so small where this one, everything is vast and bigger and you get to see like everything. And you can see like buildings, like, you know, three blocks away um, you know from just looking from a street view and I like that and I, I think it's way more interesting to me especially seeing all the different people and of course like you're meeting other like sex replicants and stuff like that as well which is you know I think fascinating as well
0: of course you think the sex replicants are fascinating <laughs> I am talking about everything
2: in general but I also think the fact that yes
0: 30 years prior like
2: all that stuff like it, I mean yeah, everything's on the run. Everything's hidden and stuff like that. And they're like right there in plain sight. And I love the fact that they're also going after and not teasing, but kind of messing with Ryan Gosling's character when he's so in love with joy.
1: I, I really like when, when they're on the streets and like he's by that bar that has a bunch of prostitutes or whatever. And, oh, you uh, would like this thing like... with prostitutes, Paul? <laughs> oh, wow, wow, wow! Uh, but anyway, there's like this advertisement—not <laughs> just
2: one, many oh. prostitutes. <laughs>
1: yeah, a whole bunch of them. My
2: favorite it one, doesn't. my favorite part of the movie so... is when there was like the most prostitutes on screen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like there's like so, an
0: advertisement this movie had like so many prostitutes. <laughs> revolutionary sex work workers, prostitutes. So many prostitutes. Yeah,
1: yeah there's like this uh, ballerina that's like dancing. And it's like kind of a beautiful thing to see this hologram ballerina dancing, but it's also very like obtrusive and annoying. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. And I like yeah. that
1: that both like how something beautiful is there, but also something that's really kind of obnoxious. And and then there's like this dancing girl with like promoting soda or whatever. So I I, I just like the uh, the evolution of that technology of of their advertisements instead of like the billboards flashing on the side of the building. It's like advertisements that are like kind of forced down your throat you know as you're walking down the street yeah so, it's like an ad uh,
0: that literally follows you down the street and it's 50 feet yeah.
1: tall yeah in every way it's like very obnoxious
2: i i i want to say as well that like again i want to talk about joy again and especially the actress um you know Ana de Armas, she is phenomenal and like she was great like i mean she's been in knives out she's gonna be in the upcoming james bond film and like it looks epic as hell um like She's awesome, and I want to give her so much credit. And I think she's actually my favorite, like part of the film. Actually, is going to be Joy. I, I really, really just yeah. I love the concept of Joy. Um, and I, oh yeah, one thing I want to talk about is holy shit! This movie.
0: But again, it's it, kind of it, like real quick. But that but just before you go on because it's jumping on jumping on Joy, staying on Joy rather. Um, she's the like it's kind of like in the first movie where the most human character is a replicant. Roy and he learns to be the most human whereas she she is clearly in this like she's the most human yeah she's the most she yeah. cares for Kay more like you see like she is the least human in this film and she is the most human the most caring the most compassionate yeah throughout the film I thought that was a really powerful thing and uh, uh
2: there's a couple of YouTube videos where they break it down and they talk about it but oh my god the scene, um, where with Mackenzie Davis, who is also great in this film, but like the 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 intimate scene or leading up to it,
0: that finally CGI, we can talk about
2: a prostitute. Finally, no, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> in but the real context. No, no, no. I, no I'm I sorry, say, but you're right.
0: It's it's a it's a really powerful, beautiful scene. Well,
2: not even that. It's just that CG, I, I that, and, and like there are YouTube videos that talk about it. Like that is so hard and like so mesmerizing. Like it honestly looks perfect um just, just everything with like with her going back and forth um like you know and when she walks up to him and you see remnants of of Mackenzie davis but not really at all and like and it just she'll say something or move and like it's just morphing the cgi is so
0: yeah. good it's my understanding it's that they, they shot it through with both actresses so essentially they would replicate the movements and then like so it's what's really cool because i love when any kind of effect is still based on performance, and it's two really good actresses, great actresses, that then with really brilliant um, artists on the back end bringing that together. Like that's when it's really it means more. It's more powerful. It's like you know when you go back to like Gollum, like why that is a something that stands out as a character, not just an effect, because you have performance melded with artistry. And they do it multiple times. Like when he's looking at –
2: at the beginning when he's looking at something and her face is kind of like right in front of his as well. I'm trying to remember what he was – he was looking at something. Was it – but uh, he was like looking into a machine and then she was also looking into it but her face was like right in front of his.
1: Oh, yeah. It was like a microfiche or something. Yeah. And it made the clickety sound when he's looking at the DNA for the two kids that were um, put up for adoption. Like, And he's trying to find out –
2: yeah, like all the, all that is just really, really, really hard. You, you don't just be like, okay, copy paste, go. You just put it on there. No, like they, they, they have to meld like both actors' thing, make it look flawless, make it look good, lighting, everything. Like everything has to be like a hundred percent perfect, and it is so well done. And I love CG, and I love like everything. And they try to do so much with it, and I just want to give them props and at least bring it up in this podcast talking about like the intimate scene is stunning. And it's scary how, like, you know, with how we are coming with deep fakes right now, how, like, this was just, like, it's kind of, like, almost the same thing, where it's just, like, a copy over the other person, like, when they would move. And it's just, it's so good. And it's, like, so good to the story, I think, as well. I think it really builds up K and also just makes Joy, like, like what Josiah was saying, like, really, honestly, the most human character in this whole film. And it's awesome. And that's it. Like,
1: Oh, no, I... I agree with you. I think it's an amazing scene, and I-, I love how they're like trying to sync up with you know like um, Mackenzie Davis and Ana Armas. Like they're yeah. trying to sync up, and sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. And but I, I just love that how like the AI is trying to figure out how to incorporate like this replicant body, yeah, and also you know accommodate K, and like have this like uh, replicant AI threesome thing going on.
2: And it's it a great wasn't even. IT. It, it wasn't even that. Like it was. Like it was kind of like her. It was just basically he just. She. She wants to give him at least one night of physicality in their relationship. So like Mackenzie yeah. Mackenzie Davis like wasn't even there because she was a replicant, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like She was also. So like yeah, like I, I think so. It doesn't even matter. I, I, I don't know. I I also was just talking wholly on a uh, on a technical aspect of it. And that's another thing.
1: It's like that scene really kind of it really advances the story. It's not something that kind of is show-off-y, you know. Just so we can do it. it really advances the story, and makes you question: like, does this AI love? Like, does Joy love K, and does K love Joy? And it, it, it like answers... it question, you know, creates all these interesting questions about how much of how much humanity that he has. See, I actually you know? I
2: actually took the entire scene as to that uh like for me like why why it's important is because it really shows it finally shows like the breaking point of both joy and K that humans have on them, basically, like this whole time, K just like just wants to do a job, and he, he knows he's a replicant and doesn't nothing matters, and he's in love with with joy, and joy is like I'm an a i nothing only really matters, you know because I'm in love with K and I can't do anything about it, where now they're meeting all these humans and all the sh- stuff that's happening and knowing about a replicant reproducing and, like, his whole world is is basically, it's like both of their worlds just kind of shattered, and they basically hit a breaking point where they both needed to do something, and that essentially, to me, why this is an important scene, because it's finally Joy and Kay being like, listen, I want to be more human, like, them both, or at least Joy especially, basically being like, I want to be more human, and this is a way that I know how to do it, or that I can... I want to
0: be more human so so you can be more human, yeah. as well, that's so i, I
1: it, you know become I, I think along with that i i think they realize that they were they're deserving of love yeah and i think that's something that yeah that i think replicants don't ever think that they they think of themselves as the lowest part of society and or they just
2: or open. or they also just grasp onto their false memories and they're just yeah, like, all right. To... And and, and but... if they know that they're false memories, then they're just like, all right, I have false memories. Had no idea, so fuck everything. Or they don't know.
1: But I mean, I mean, that's a very human decision to make to to realize that you're deserving of love. You know that. You, yeah. You, you know. Absolutely. So I, yeah, I don't know. That scene is just really powerful, and I'm glad you brought it up. Um, yeah. Because I... man, I love how this movie takes a lot of ideas introduced in Blade Runner and really expands upon them. In very interesting and thought-provoking ways that,
2: and not overt, and it's and it's not like overtly. It's more of just kind of like it it, it has like this whole thing where it doesn't like really show you. It just kind of has it on screen, and it like it kind of just tell it kind of just tells you as opposed to just showing you, which I think is kind of nice as well.
1: To me, I like I the way the way I look at this movie, I look at it as a miracle that like this thought-provoking, really great sequel, possibly better than the original. Yeah uh sequel to blade runner with this all this baggage of like legacy and because a lot of people like really love blade runner attached to it
2: it's coming from something that has like you said a lot of baggage but also a lot of failure to it as well like blade runner was not a, a a hit and was had a couple uh you know in cuts that were not that were not beloved by a lot of people And, you know, it went through, it it went through a lot, like, you know, uh, publicly, you know, in the film, you know, in in, in the film scene and everything it's, it is a, you know, it was one of those movies where it was just like, had they not kept working on it, it would have just died off and nobody would have talked about it ever again.
1: I just think the very, like making of this movie was just a bold thing to do. Yeah. Because there's so many things that could have went wrong and like a lot of the people's taste nowadays are way dumber than it is in 1982. So to, like, even double down on the same cerebral film as as
2: Blade Runner and I even d- expand those companies is really risky. And I, I would, know... I, just, I, com- I, I think I actually completely disagree. I think the 80s people were smarter than the 90s. I think the 90s we got, like the like, I think societally we just got dumb because there's not that many smart movies in the 90s but nowadays like look at inception look at arrival look at um um i mean look anything christopher nolan does i i i actually have to disagree and give you and give the audience credit i think people do like smarter movies now i think there have been a lot of other movies that are really smart out there i mean hell Winter Soldier is like doing well, and I actually think that that's a brilliant freaking movie. Like it, it takes me; it sometimes it takes me a couple yeah. watches to actually really understand the political, um, you know, the thrillerness of it. But like, uh, you know, the, Knives Out did really, really well, and people like love it. Casual moviegoers were talking about how amazing Knives Out was. I didn't think that a murder mystery movie anybody would care about. Like Wes Anderson oh, movies are I'm now me. like mainstream. That I, I just I. I, don't
0: know. I really loved like *Knives Out*. I thought it was a great film. I mean, I we're just... talking, and you're saying that, but the movie we're talking about, which is very intelligent, didn't do well at the box office. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's, that's, it's that's also to be considered. But I, <laughs> I, 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 I also think that a lot
2: of people as well, because like let, let's be honest, *Blade Runner* is not pub- is not very widespreadly loved. The original one, it's not. It's yeah. really big for like people who love film like us nobody cares about it outside of us like even if they make a blu-ray collection literally
0: the three of us yeah no only one. us, <laughs> three of us if, you are,
2: if you're listening to this you turn it's this off three. right now no i'm just kidding no but like that's what i'm saying though is is that of course this movie wasn't going to do that great and i absolutely there's no way in hell that you could um convince me that they were expecting this to make a billion dollars or like a lot of money i think they wanted it to make its money back I no, think... they
0: thought it would make money. They wouldn't have made it if they didn't think it would make money. Yeah. I still think they I, thought it would think... make money because, like Blade Runner, it, it it grew because of cinema people. It became a cult classic, and it's it's revered therefore now as a classic, and therefore there is space for a sequel. Like, I mean, you know, look like at an example. This isn't necessarily the best, but Terminator versus Terminator Two. The first Terminator didn't do well. It kind of became a popular in VHS. And then Terminator 2 was this huge blow-up movie. I think there, – so there was some understanding. I don't think it was like they were motivated by making art. I think maybe the creative – I don't think, think that,
2: Blade Runner had the blow-up like Terminator.
0: The, the no, art. no, but I know I even – yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I agree with you totally there. I'm just trying to think of another parallel. But I think that – um, I mean maybe a, a better parallel would be like Tron neither Tron movie did very well. They were both kind of were yeah. not financially successful, but I'm sure they thought that this would do better than it did. I think even Ridley Scott said that he felt it was just, it could have been shorter. Like that that was one of the kind of the issues that maybe it was even ran a little long.
2: I mean, yeah, I, I would have probably cut out maybe eight minutes of it, but not too much. So, could, because I you think, could, the yeah, is like, so I think important. you could
0: get it closer to the two, two and a half hours for sure without losing much. I'm sure it's tricky, but there's like I said, there's enough long sequences, and they're great. They create atmosphere for sure. Where Kay is just walking through Vegas, walking through San Diego junkyard, like there's moments that you could have Not that that saves the movie, but that might be at least a little bit of a factor. Because I mean, you can never say for sure it was one thing. So, I think it's also it's just a hard movie. But it's I, not. I, it's I, as good I, as it is. It's not like the same with the original Blade Runner. It's a it's a movie that you that challenges you, whatever you think of audiences smart or stupid or in between, this is definitely a movie that challenges you beyond even some of those other movies yeah. that we've I, mentioned. It I, goes, okay. So and that's a thing.
2: So oh, I want to, I want to, I want to point two things out real quick. I'm so sorry before, before this, I think it definitely yep. didn't do as well because one thing it's a rated R movie rated. R yeah, movies still under- don't make I, a lot of money. So like, that's the other thing. If they, I, I that's the other thing why I don't think that they, I, I think they wanted this to do well I don't think they wanted it to make a lot of money. I just don't. Because, A, you wouldn't be doing a sci-fi sequel for a movie 30 years prior and make a sequel rated R and expect a shit ton of money. I still well, don't. I mean, I would love to no, ask and is, look into here's it. Here's
0: where the money you, – you trace the money. Trace the money when the final cut Blu-ray came out. That probably sold a ton, and then they saw those sales numbers. The studios said, okay, it was what Sony that produced this and Warner Brothers, I think, or something. Um, whatever studios were like the ones that are like, oh, there's money to be made here. I think that's really what it was. And you trace it back to those Blu-ray sales for that final cut. It's like, oh, people do care about this weird, expensive art film. Let's make another one. It'll make a ton of money. Like, <laughs> And I think a lot of films like – don't really resonate with people and
1: last long in the collective memory for, you know, for 30 odd years.
2: And so the fact that decades later, we were still talking about it, you know, but, you realize like, but, hey, but, but again, we're all for... film people though. I don't think my dad has said well, anything that's... about Blade Runner probably in about 15 years. He probably hasn't even Would, like sure. thought about Would it. Did you say your dad? Yeah. Your dad.
1: I mean, that's just one person. I, I mean, I've talked, I've like literally introduced this movie to people and they love it. No, no, no. And these are well like, yeah, casual. But well, I'm figures. saying is like
2: but we're we're all three of us are really big in the film news, film everything. Like me, we go to Comic Con, especially sci fi. Like that's what I'm saying. The three of us, we are pretty much the demographic for both of these films. Like we are the straight up demographic. We both we we all all three of us like sci fi. We all like we all like filmmaking, a a noir. Or something that has to do futuristic and desolation, and you know, like like we we are the target audience for these, for these these both of these films, and that's why it resonates with us. But I mean, I remember working at Disneyland and other jobs when they were talking about this movie, and just be like, dude, yeah, I can't believe they're making a sequel to to Blade Runner," and like nobody in the room knowing what the hell I'm talking about from all walks of life. And and, and Paul, you worked at Disneyland, and you know, like everybody old and young works there nobody knew what that movie was except for like Eric and people who were on this network in the, in my department, we had 700 people. I don't think I would say out of the 700 people, maybe 50 people knew what Blade Runner
1: was. I mean, Blade Runner is, is very niche. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but I actually like, honestly, making this movie was a big gamble and they obviously did it. And they thought, because they thought they would profit in some way. Yeah. And, but I think there was the Denis Villeneuve. Like, he's just such a great director. They just
2: believe that he had. I mean, he wasn't really. Tra- a, but he wasn't established at this time, though. Like, okay,
0: so, like, I, I, I'm sorry. he done, done. When he, when he got this, rival. he'd done Sicario and a role rival was like 2015. Was so, it's, That's he's probably. Young.
1: Yeah, uh, he's, he's pro- had some moves under his belt that. And were,
0: he, he directed, like, like a French. Stuff, yeah, like you know, the stuff in French. So So he, you know, he's he was experienced at least. So yeah, I I think with
2: me because I remember like around this time we had um, what was it? The um, my God, Total Recall remake that completely failed in and the the box office. Like at this time, we've had and Tron, Tron Legacy already came out. I just don't see how how at this time. How they would think that a sequel to a sci-fi film, especially again being rated, I don't, I don't see how it, being rated R, why it would make money when like everything, every other attempt had failed so miserably, like like Total Recall, Tron Legacy, like we both said before. I mean, and uh, I think you're forgetting,
1: I think you're forgetting the international market too, because in in like Japan, people fucking love Blade Runner so much. Yeah, like. They, like I think the international market also had a interest, and I think that was a part too, yeah,
2: that's true uh
1: so we fast forward a little bit and we get to uh Kate and he actually visits Dr Anna Staline, and she's the one that actually makes memories, and so he's trying to figure out whether the memory of the the horse if that was a real one, and she mentions that um. Memories are based off of feelings, or feelings are what people really remember. It's not the actual details. And that's how she's able to make, make the memories, is that she understands the feeling. And so she goes on this... She's like in this little bubble. She has like an autoimmune
0: disorder, so she can't touch... And it's called Galatian syndrome in the film. Galatian syndrome, there but you They go. don't really explain the specifics, though, but Galatian syndrome.
1: And uh, so she looks through this like periscope kind of thing, and... Kay recalls memory of of the, the horse. You see her and she, you see how she gets affected by it. She starts crying and, and you see that it's a very subtle thing that, that recognition that she sees that that's her memory. You don't really catch it in the first viewing, but if you watch it again, it's a very subtle, like, acknowledgement in her eyes that this is her memory. And then Kay just, and she says, Oh, yeah, uh, this memory is real. And it completely, like, upends Kay's just world. Because he think he realized like he realized that he's he's real, he's a real person, and that this is his real memories, and he just flips out, and I think that scene right there is like so brilliant, so it's like so sad and so just like devastating this scene just like flip out this like through the whole movie he's very like reserved and like almost stoic, and at that moment he just literally like his whole world breaks um. And so I just thought that was a really great acting moment for Ryan Gosling.
0: So it's also from there... we, spent a, we spent a lot of time talking about the love scene that comes after this, basically, because that scene actually happens after this. We've already talked about between Kay and Joy. Oh, wow. And it actually, yeah. the, the, it's funny that it's like essentially part of his becoming human is, is feeling anger, feeling that rage, Like, you know, whether or not he really is human, he is becoming human because he's experiencing those feelings various feelings and going through that process. And it's just it's uh interesting like to then think of then how the next sequence that with between him and Joy actually plays out and how much more beautiful it is because you know, coming off of that rage, this then a moment of intimacy.
1: And I love I love how Joy um consoles him and and tells him, like, I always knew you were special and this just proves it that you know, you're one of a kind. You're the one, you know, you're the son of a replicant and, uh, and a human, quote unquote, human. So then that leads to, to Las Vegas. They're doing a scam. Can scan. we, can
0: we, can I go back real quick? There's a moment yeah. that I like loved that when he goes and gets the horse analyzed by the guy who's the, played the, the Somali hijacker and Captain Phillips, the actor, I forgetting his oh. name, but oh yeah, I'm he's captain, like no. he's so good in that little moment. He's like he's so good. You know, he's using. He's like because he, he keeps starting. He's like, I can get you a real horse. You want a real horse? <laughs> <laughs> like, like I love that so much. It was so funny. So I just wanted to like touch on that. Before I <laughs> love the actor, uh, Bob uh,
2: Barked Barked Abdi. Yeah,
0: and he's great in he is so just good. a small bit in this. Yeah.
2: He's a great actor. I would love to see him in more things.
0: Isn't it that
1: he finds out there's radiation on the wooden horse, and so that leads him to yes, Las Vegas?
0: Yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Which is like some kind of tritium or something like that. Um, so then we we cut to Vegas, and it's like this. I guess there was a dirty bomb or something, some kind of uh, like nuclear explosion, and. Uh, the whole environment is just like red and orange, and that's
0: what that's what caused the blackout, by the way. Also, so why it's irradiated? Oh, it, that mm-hmm. it caused... oh okay, interesting.
1: And he's like scanning the area, and he finds bees. Um, I always never understood why Deckard had bees. What? <laughs> why? Why were there bees? Do you know? Anyone... I think
2: because they bring life because of the pollinization, Probably. Oh, you think so? I think so. I thought it was just like. Thinking... He's like a honey enthusiast or something. I I didn't understand. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. He's living in a desolate area and he loves honey. (laughs) I don't know. He's an old man. Not even just he loves honey. He's a honey enthusiast. Like, that's... No, I I think it has to do with pollinization and that they bring life. In that they're very essential for life.
1: I I love... So I love that scene. I know it's really slow, but I love that scene how he's like walking through the hotel in a very slow manner. It's like sl- very slow and methodical. And then he plays the piano. And he says. Uh, you know Deckard comes out. And he's like. Uh, Got any cheese or something. I, I know it's a reference to Treasure Island. Uh, and then. Deckard, or uh, Kay responds back. Um, I always thought. And this is my opinion. I always thought that. Revealing Deckard in the marketing materials. Was a bad idea. 'Cause I think it it reduces the impact of him showing up in the movie like two hours into the movie.
2: What do you guys think? One
0: hundred forty five. So yeah. short just short of two hours. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think
2: it's, I'm so glad I, that Deckard I, I, is not I, the main character of this film. I'm not gonna lie. I don't think I don't think I can really watch a full length um you know, movie centered around Harrison Ford anymore. I think he is a great supportive char- supporting character actor now. <laughs> <laughs> from evident of after indiana jones i just can't do it and i and that new i know that new dog movie just came out i am not gonna see that movie i i, I love harrison ford i just don't want to see him as the main character of things anymore and i don't really well, care the about main
0: char- the main character in that movie is the dog yeah
2: that's so. true <laughs> that is true
0: but like he's the dog supporting character
2: deckard had his own story and i actually care more about i actually like Kay more i just like k i really do as a character but deckard's awesome too like He's just an awesome character. where K is just like a, a a phenomenal and also I would say a more re- relatable character.
1: Yeah, I I never really compared the two of them. I really like both characters in their own rights. Um, I personally I was annoyed that they revealed Harrison Ford is in it before the movie came. Out. I mean I understand why they did it to so that people would see the movie. Yeah, her, definitely. Harrison Ford has like. A lot of, a lot
0: of, no, like, yeah, because I wouldn't, like, you know, I personally, if I, if, if Harrison Ford's not at all involved in this, and I'm like, well, I'm less interested instantly. Doesn't mean it's going to be bad, but I mean, I probably, like, that just means the longer I kind of wait to see it kind of scenario. But at the same time, I, I, I'd have to relook at the marketing materials. I don't know if they, like, overdid it with, like, Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford, or if it was just, like, he has that, I think, from what I remember, it's just kind of that, like, you don't know, so you know, like a gravelly line at the end of a trailer. That's how I remember it. Yeah. And if that's the way it is, then it kind of works. Cause you're setting it up in a way that you know, he's not the star of this movie, but he's in it. So, I mean, it was, a,
1: and I'm probably the vocal minority in this. I think it, it was the right call to do that, but just on a personal level, I wish it was a complete surprise that he, he shows up in the movie. But again, that's just me. To me, the um, I
2: mean, to me, the complete surprise was Sean Young being in this movie. Like that was awesome. Oh, yeah. I, I honestly had no idea if she was going to be in it or not because of. I don't want to get into that, but
0: <laughs> well, she no, denied right. like like to keep yeah. it secret. She was actually denying that she was involved. Oh, she had a, in she like... had the biggest NDA.
1: Definitely. Um, I so we go from there, and like, uh, Kay gets shot at by deckard and they're like deckard's kind of chasing him through that uh that auditorium with all the holograms and like elvis and frank sinatra and they like kind of you know hash it out like they're drinking some whiskey and um, i just like that whole scene between the two of them kind of hashing it out they abduct deckard and the resistance come and get him so he's like brought into the human resistance or he's brought brought into the replicant resistance. And they tell him like, Oh, actually the, it was a daughter messes up again. He realized he thought he was real, but then in actuality is a replicant, which he initially thought. Hmm. Um, so what did you guys think about that reveal of like that replicant
2: resistance? Well, I mean, I don't think it was a reveal. I think it was more like, I mean, they were alluding to it, the entire film.
0: Yeah. Like we see, we see, um, the the leader of that resistance very early on tell the prostitutes to like keep an eye on him like they know like literally like i said it's she was there from the beginning when the baby was born and everything she knows this is the long game she knows this is about to happen she knows what he knows she knows the memories he has implanted in his head she knows that he's part of the key of, of 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 getting deckard back into the game yeah kind of thing Absolutely. And then the, the game changing, so she knows all that. the 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 one eyed leader lady. I'm forgetting her name as well. So it's like all planned out, and you know they so they tease it throughout. So it just kind of been kind of coming to fruition real quick. Though we got to go back because we're um, overlooking when love comes in the, the death of joy.
2: Yeah, that big oh moment where so oh it is so hard. Oh <laughs> my god, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with
0: me? <laughs> like, you just, you well, just don't want to uh deal with it cuz there was horrible I
1: hate, like, I hate I, I watching it i was devastated it. to be honest but yeah no go ahead what were you
3: going to say about joy were talking about,
2: i mean yeah it sucked i it I, sucked. I absolutely <laughs> hate watching that scene it is so effective too like it's it's so weird like how how everything that like they connect everything especially like getting her out of the apartment and everything um just oh god the whole car when they when when she gets messed with or when when messes with the system and she's glitching like oh god i i, I mean I, I don't think there's anything else really to say about joy in, in fact the, besides the fact that we love her but we've also have not even talked about the child at all and that i mean that i don't think that actress is phenomenal and well yeah going what, what, back
0: what? To, to her scene as well real quick is like when what paul mentioned it you know when she's looking at the memory like through the tears she's like when he's trying to is it real and before he has is like cuz we kind of focused on the case side of it a little bit where she's like, someone lived this, yes, this happened. So it's so like actually wrote that line that like when it, it's like those are like those moments when it's so good that and like Paul said, the first time you watch it, you kind of miss that a little bit. The the real meaning behind what she's saying. You just think she's so empathetic or something, but it's like and and, and, and no, it's like that's her memory, that's her reality. And it it shows like whatever she is, she's human she's human like she's uh, has yeah. feeling and she cares and loves and feels the pain of that moment again when she sees it through I i
1: don't know it just always breaks my heart to see that happen because obviously joy loves Kay so much that like they really love each other and so when you see that her you know die it really just like is really very effective and that's what i think is really interesting about this movie is you really get connected to like basically what's a hologram and he feel the same emotions that Kay does. Yeah. And the same attachment that he does with, with this like this hologram. And um and you're right, the, the replicant the, the resistance is kind of teased throughout the movie. And I feel it's a natural evolution of kind of the elements of what was happening in Blade Runner, where replicants were escaping the off world and slowly this, this movement grew over time to create this like replicant resistance, underground resistance that was able to hide because of that blackout. I honestly thought there was going to be like an epic battle at the end. with like (laughs) thousands of replicants, you know, because every movie was doing that. Alice in Wonderland, Matrix does it. Um, Rise of Skywalker does it. Like every movie, whenever they introduce like a whole group of people, they always have like some epic battle. Aquaman
2: does it epic battle and it's like so obnoxious <laughs> and i love the fact that this i mean i don't think doesn't... it's obnoxious i think it's i mean that's that's what it, it it's about but I, aquaman doesn't do it i mean I, I i i mean one thing is blade runner i think if they did it then it would have completely undid the rest of the film because that's not what it's about Oh, i, I it, think it, so too i think so too like it, it's like it's kind of like the iRobot thing, where right? I love. Like, I love like the end of iRobot. There's a lot of action and stuff like that, but it has nothing to do with that. Just like this movie has nothing to do with the Replicants. This is only about finding this daughter, finding these clues, and uh, you know, about his job, which is just like Blade Runner. It is just about his job. Nothing else about Replicants. Nothing about humans. Nothing else. He just needs to get Roy Batty and the other ones. This one, they need to find they need to find the end of the rope of all these clues in this whole entire thing so but i think the it, in, the
0: interesting well, thing though with um the the moment where he meets the rebel army whatever um is the fact that it's really about him realizing he's not that special he, he he's just a part of the plan he's just a soldier and he has a role to play but he's not the hero of the story and i think that's a like almost like like a twist in a way that's really powerful where he's just – his role and he and – by the end of the movie, he'll play his role out and that's his role in this thing and he accepts that.
1: Well, it's like he realizes that he's just a soldier in this army, that he's not the – he's not the main focus of the story, that he's he's, you know, one of many basically is what you were trying to say.
0: Yes yeah, like and yeah yeah like he he learns he just has a roles, role to play as opposed to he is the hero of that story. And it's almost like really that's like the twist for the movie itself is the hero is this character we have barely touched on and barely seen.
1: And I I think it's a powerful thing like he has real no investments in 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 Deckard but he chooses to save him and he chooses To reunite Deckard with his daughter and, and he really has no emotional stakes in that. But he, like, I love the fact that he's a replica that makes that choice. He makes a very human and he makes the right choice when kind of everything is stacked against him and, and he really is not going to gain anything by doing that. And in many ways, sacrifice his life to, to, to make that happen. Um, I want to point out at the same time as it's happening, uh, they also, they tell him that the, he needs to kill Deckard because, uh, Deckard is, could possibly lead Wallace to the resistance. And so in the meantime, and I, I really like that, uh, that, you know, Wallace is a, as God metaphor. And, and in a way, it's almost like he's also like the God and the devil because he's tempting, um, Deckard with Rachel like a really with a, a reborn Rachel that he made and um you know the very thing that he loves and lost 30 years ago uh and he's tempting him with 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 Rachel so that he could find out where the resistance is I personally love that CGI Rachel I think it's the best CGI character um probably ever made to that point like it as far as the um
2: like, uh, yeah, like uh, bringing somebody like Tarkin, uh, Princess Leia, and stuff like that. Ah, uh, it, it is absolutely flawless, and it's basically just reutilizing what the the intimate scene as well. Unlike the other ones, the other ones were just mocap, which just people in place. Where that one was like Sean Young was there as well with the other person, and they just went through. But that's the thing is like where Star Wars kind of weren't able to have where you know um, where Carrie Fisher had passed and so was why am i forgetting the actor's name for for uh for Tarkin oh my god what Peter Cushing Cushing, thank you but um yeah you know they're they were no longer with us so they weren't there to you know stand in it's it was kind of also like the thing with um Paul Walker where his brothers who relatively look like him were able to at least sit in and uh stand in and and be there for them to draw over and it's a lot easier for for you know for VFX artists the fact that Sean Young is still alive and looks pretty great for her age. You know, it, it it's very easy for them to put, you know, the face over the fa- yeah, because they also have this the, the the double as well for her. I was like, how did they do that? Well Sean <laughs> Young <well>, Sean <laughs> Young has definitely aged in the last thirty years.
1: And <laughs> no, then no, no. you know, they had to use some kind of CGI, but it was flawless. Like mm-hmm. I I wasn't taken out of the movie at all. No, I and wasn't... usually scenes like that, I'm taken out of like you know, Grandma Tarkin. I was totally taken out like this looks so phony. This <sighs> I, is ridiculous. Looked, I
2: I still think he Same looks great. For
1: Princess Leia it's just like it looks so odd but this movie I was convinced.
2: You know. I will say 100%. That the, I will say the best one is Guardians of the Galaxy 2 with um with uh god why it's late. We we're recording Kurt this Russell. really late with Kurt Russell. Right? Kurt Russell's facing Guardians 2. Oh the DHM for Kurt oh, Russell. It's... I
0: think Marvel's done a pretty
2: good job with of... Oh my god, Robert Downey Jr in Civil War.
1: Oh holy shit. So Deckard refuses, they kill Rachel, like just so cold, they'll just like shoot her in the head, like nothing. Um, And they're going to transport him to off world so they can torture him some more. And then Kay intercepts. And I really like that line. Dying for the right cause is the most human thing we can do. I love that cause that the the resistance leader says to him and that Kay takes the heart. Uh, and I like, I love that scene so much where he looks up at Joy, that, that the t- giant pink Joy that, you know, reaches out to him. And I, it's just it's such a beautiful scene. And then he makes the decision to go and rescue Deckard. Um, that whole fight sequence as, uh, where those rising tides on, like, at the, the foundation of that wall, it's just like amazingly shot and very stark and bleak. And I just love how brutal it is, and I really, yeah, I just love how intimate. It's such an intimate fight between the two, between love and and um, and K. And uh, and I, I was relieved because they didn't do the the epic like, you know, giant battle <laughs> that I thought they were gonna do, that they, they, I thought they were hinting at ten minutes uh, earlier. But what did you guys think about that last? Confrontation.
2: I personally think it's pretty phenomenal having these two characters that are polar opposites, uh, where Kay wants to be human and has finally found love and has had and now knows loss, where you also have, um, you know, love who is doing something selfishly, uh, basically for for love and acceptance of, you know, of a god. And is a little affected by what she's doing, but it still overall doesn't care. And, um, you know, so I, I I think that them battling it out, um, you know, I thought it was a great confrontation. I think it was well executed. I think it's, I mean, that's, I don't really have a lot to say about it, like compared to, because I, I think it's like, you can't compare it. I honestly don't think you can compare it to like, you know, Deckard and Roy, like, there's so much personality and from two opposing people that one person Deckard who is not the brightest and doesn't really care about anything he just does it he just does it because he's told to and Roy who is just so superior and understands things and is all and basically is already talkative and basically wants to be heard. I think that there's a completely different dynamic between the two films and both are great honestly.
1: You know, I I think it's kind of interesting the the difference between in that scene between that and like his confrontation with Sapper. Because with Sapper, he had a conversation with him, and he's like, he said, "Oh, I prefer to take you in." Um, But at that point, he was like, he just wanted. He was out to kill love. You know, he was he was very brutal. Like he held her down so she could drown, and he was just like, just uh, like full fury. Like he had no.
2: Well, I think it's because Sapper lived a life and had you know, ha- had an identity at that point where he was living in a home yeah. and and everything and like just also I think like what we were talking about at the beginning, I think he let K win because he was he was done. And I I think Sapper just wanted to put up a fight and die i don't think he wanted to be brought in where love d- was just gonna kill Kay. she was just gonna do everything she could to just destroy everybody yeah. to do e- to do whatever wallace wanted her to do and you know it, it, she didn't care and that's 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 the difference that's why he didn't talk to her because she was just like nope i'm, I'm gonna kill you like i'm not gonna monologue you know if you monologue i'm just gonna kill you so that's the difference where again like roy roy wanted a monologue he wanted to be heard he wanted deckard to understand and deckard was already kind of breaking and kind of realizing and questioning and everything so it 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 makes sense where Kay just felt all lost he lost literally the most important thing to him he doesn't want to talk about it he doesn't want to talk about it love doesn't want to talk about it he just wants to drown the piece of shit
1: (laughs) yeah i mean yeah i mean she killed joy and um, I just, I, I always thought of it as like, he just has this laser focus because by being told that by having the aim of being human and, and, and sacrificing yourself for another, for another human and to get Deckard to his daughter, he, he realizes that that's something that, that's worth dying for. And so he just, I don't know. I like that he takes that up as, as his cause that, you know, to save Deckard. Um, and so yeah, I just, I, lo- I love that scene. And I really love the very end where it's snowing and you have, uh, you know, he, Deckard asks him like, what is it, was it for you? Like, why did he do this for me? And he's like, uh, you know, I, I don't remember the exact, the exact dialogue between the two of them, but I just like the selflessness in that act of bringing Deckard to his, to, um, to his, to his daughter, which turned out to be Dr. Anna Staline. And you see Anna Selene, and there's snow and she's noting how beautiful it is. And they have this beautiful moment and uh, Kay's out in the snow and he's just laying down on the steps and he slowly dies.
0: Uh, and so, it's the same I, music from when, you know, in the first film when Roy passed away as well. So they brought back that oh, cue of the tears in the rain music. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Um, I don't yeah, know I mean, if it's the do... exact music or if it's just you know the Hans Zimmer redo of it, but it was yeah, <laughs> it was like that same theme. I mean,
2: it wasn't only just oh. Hans Zimmer. I mean, it, they also had um, I mean, the other guy that that helped him, Benjamin Wallfisch, the guy he's that guy's done everything. Let me bring it up, um, Shazam! It uh, he recently um, and the guy has done. A crap ton of work. Uh, well, he's a, one of like Han,
0: Hans Zimmer's like yeah, kind of his uh, crew, like yeah. his one of his guys. So Moon, he, love Moon. He has like several people. That he, yeah.
1: So yeah, no, I just I love this movie, and um, I think it's one of the the rare films that are, it's a great sequel. I think you
2: debate that it's a better movie than the original. I, I think I like um, it more than the original as well. I I
1: personally. Really respect that it didn't fall into so many traps that it didn't fall into the like, oh, hey, let, let's have a crazy battle at the end trap. It didn't fall into the let's just do the same story as Blade Runner trap, where we just have Deckard like chase after Blade Runners. Yeah, I just appreciate that it didn't fall into the same traps as a lot of other movies. Like, it didn't go the dumb route of like, hey, we'll have bigger explosions or hey, we'll do the Blade Runner story again, but with just a different Blade Runner. And so there's all these different things that it was like navigating a minefield making this movie, I imagine. And they made all the right choices that I really respect. And so to me, like I feel that this movie is, I don't know. It, it, it's it's kind of a rare sequel that is a great sequel to the, in the first, like number one, the great sequel. Number two, you could argue that it's a better sequel than the original um and number three it's a very respectable just film it's a very well-made film and nobody can argue that it's a bad film it's it's a very everybody that watches this film is respects
2: it very much i think it's one of those movies that people are going to look back and find in like five years and it's going to explode again i i really do i really really hope so
0: yeah i don't think it'll be like the original blade runner It'll it'll grow and it's Appreciation of love because it's a movie you kind of have to sit with and and dig into. Like this is only the second time I've seen it, and I got so much more out of it watching yeah. it again. Like the the more I watch it, the more it I just, love it. Yeah, like it's a it's a world that it, that's richer by spending more time in it.
1: Definitely, and um and I appreciate the fact that it took a lot of the ideas in the original Blade Runner and really expanded upon them. And kind of made their own commentary on those ideas. Um so yeah, I just I love this movie so much and I appreciate it um in, in many ways. And uh just to wrap up, uh what are you guys uh, final impressions of, of Blade Runner twenty
3: four nine? I think this is
2: a nearly perfect film. I don't think I think maybe if it was eight minutes shorter, uh, you know, I think it would be perfect.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's it. I, mean, I? I have nothing else to say. I don't know.
0: I, yeah, it's a, it's a great film. It really is. It's it's a great sequel. Like, I think the first one is a more important film, a more significant film. I will agree for to that. Reasons where we talked about, like, we have a whole podcast about that. But just from a story perspective, this is a better film. It's a better, the just the story. It's a detective story throughout that also touches on, more profound issues, whereas the first one's just kind of like a pursuit. He does detective work because they needed to throw that in there, but this is more of like a legit investigation and things unfold and the, the, through the from the first, even though it's two hours and 44 minutes long or 40, whatever it is from that first minute, the story starts and goes to the end. Everything in there is part of the story. Sure. Some sequences are a little long. Maybe that's my like big criticism is like, I've mentioned that a couple of times is long walking sequences, but they also are just very, you, you feel that world because of those moments too. Um, I think is one of those movies where the first time I watched it, the length wasn't even an issue for me when I watched it again, maybe a little bit more so because it's like okay, I've seen him walking through this I think, corridor uh, before. But I, I think that's how <laughs> I think that's how it is with a lot of a lot of movies. I, I would agree. I would agree. But especially when a movie's two hours and forty four minutes long, you feel any extra few minutes here or there a little bit more. I think the only movie
2: you... for me where I'm just like God, I wish it was longer was the Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Why, these, oh, why yeah.
2: couldn't they be five hours long? God, they're lazy. Then they become kidding. the Hobbit movies. Nah, that's true. Um, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, but I it's, think it's
0: a fantastic film. So for me, the, the, the like my favorite moment is really kind of funny where it's when he meets Deckard and he's with them and he sees the dog and he asks him, is it real? chaos "Is is the dog real? And Deckard goes, I don't know. Ask him.
2: Yeah, <laughs> my favorite moment
0: in the movie.
2: It's also kind of a riff on the first movie with if it's mm-hmm. a real owl, and so
0: which yeah, and, and and that and that's kind of again a little touchstone that goes back to the book because the book the the animals were much more significant and like do the, they dream of electric sheep because he wanted to buy a real sheep because that was a status thing to have a real animal, to have a live animal. Like it it, it was a status thing because you couldn't, like, I think uh, you talked about the, the owl, it, it seemed real. And it, the, therefore the more real it seemed, the more expensive it was. So it was your status to have it kind of thing. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's uh, you know, it takes that concept from the book and just really takes it really interesting places. It all starts with the book. And then the obviously the Ridley Scott movie expands on it, and this I, I think in terms of story at least this takes it even beyond what the first film did. Yeah, I agree with that too.
1: Awesome. Um, I have to say that uh, I really appreciate that we got like a great performance from Harrison Ford because when that happened, it's kind of a rarity nowadays. He's kind of a grumpy guy, like he doesn't really give a shit. Um, and honestly, for me, I, I love films like i love movies so much but i feel like nowadays there's so many movies out that just make me miserable and like Mm -hmm. there's like not that much craftsmanship in the way that they're made and of course there's there's uh, exceptions to the rule like i love i fucking love the marvel movies so much like avengers endgame i love that movie so much but i mean there's a lot of I don't know. There's a lot of movies that I see that are just like make me miserable. We get and... it. You want
2: to watch Green Lantern again? We get it, man. <laughs>
1: yeah. And there's so many Green Lanterns out there. There's so many movies that a basic Green Lantern. I want to watch and... the Green Lantern
0: final cut. Is that the so, Yeah. The butthole cut. cut the I want one where they add a really lazy narration to it. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, so anytime there's a there's a film like Voiced this, I feel
1: special. You know, I really appreciate it. And the fact that it's like a good sequel to one of my favorite films and that it was done well is uh, kind of a miracle, to be honest with you. (laughs) Like there's, there's so many opportunities for this to be like derivative nonsense that like didn't up like that did wrong by Blade Runner's legacy, but it completely expanded upon it, made it, Made the original Blade Runner even like a better movie, honestly, because of the, what what the things that they did in this movie. So, I don't know. I just really appreciate this film. And I just want to end on that note how much I appreciate this film. And it,
2: it gives me hope that films like this can be made again. Absolutely. There you go. And uh, yes, and I think that's a great time to to, <laughs> to end this because this is almost as long as the movie. And thank you listeners for listening in. You can check out all of our shows and offerings on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all the podcast apps, and also on Spotify as well. Don't forget to go to our website, com, for more stuff. We have videos, we have articles, and we have more podcasts there. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all the thingies. And I stream on Twitch. And thank you everybody for being here again. Have a wonderful week. And GGG. <laughs> this
0: podcast can be eight minutes shorter. What's on the silver screen? I got some takes you wouldn't believe. Pop-o-s-a-s-o.
3: Grand Geek <laughs> Gathering.